Welcome back, gentlemen, to the shop. On a very cold, chilly day, it is 28 degrees outside. It is, it is crystal clear. I've got some high production here for you. I even have Fuji Cam back up. We'll click over here, and you can see for, oh goodness, where'd she go? Fuji Cam is not up. Fuji Cam was up. Nothing but the best production here. We'll try again next time. So, all right, so last time we left off, we were trying to diagnose why the little Honda 2000i inverter would not run. It would, it would run, you'd start it, it would run for a few seconds and then die, and then you couldn't start it. So a lot of you guys commented on that, a lot of good advice. It looks like we, not, we want to take a look what's inside the, the muffler. I even watched some videos where some of those little mud dauber bees or mason bees, whatever they are, get in there and plug that, that up or that screen, that, car, that spark arrester, Oh my, live stream is talking to me. That spark arrester can uh, get clogged in too much back pressure, or it could be, which is most likely in the carburetor, something with that. So we'll look into that. But before we do that, I want to share something. Something really uh, special came in the mail uh, from our friends at Warp 5 uh, in England. Now our little beloved Sterling engine that's been running in the background there, they have sent me, as, just as a gift, I've I was surprised that uh, they said they contacted me for my address and said we wanted to send you something. I didn't know it was going to be one of these, but I wanted to share that with you. This is beautiful. I just took it out of the box. I haven't even put it together yet, but this is uh, a, a different version in that it has uh, only a single cylinder there for that graphite piston, and then the same base and diffuser. It also has what I think is a birchwood handle. Right there, isn't that beautiful? So you can move it, and, that, and that's cool, because now if you want to change the direction of the fan, you have to put a glove on, and now you could reach down there, it's not gonna be overly hot, and you could move it and redirect it, which is something I do quite often. If it's really cold, I like it blowing on me when I'm working on my computer, and that's nice. But I guess they're achieving the same thing because the, the propeller appears to be similar. I don't know, maybe it's smaller, I haven't compared them but it has a belt drive on it. So it's got a gear reduction. That's cool, isn't it? And this belt is nothing more than a, a very small rubber O-ring. So I thought we'd put this together and set it up on there and see how it goes. Uh, and not only that, but what is just as cool, and I was just tickled about, check this out. They make, they make an, a, a temp thermometer, and this thing's hot, I just took it off the stove, so I might have to juggle it around a little bit. Uh, it's all, it's heavy, it's like a gate, a really high precision, what do you call it? Oh, it escapes me here. Temperature gauge, whatever. Look at that. This, this, the glass is, it's real glass, so it won't get scratched by the soot. But you have metric Celsius and Fahrenheit in the same needle. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's beautifully made too. It's not, it's not like a thin metal. If you flip it over, you can see it's heavy all one piece. And it feels really chunky, like a hockey puck. Very sturdy. It's beautifully made. And look at the etching on there. And they sent that to me. They, they had that in the box as well. And that will just sit right on top of the wood stove. Isn't that cool? So I'm gonna set that down over here and then we'll look and see 
how hot the stove gets. I'm going to really enjoy that. So, yeah, these are really special. It, you can go on their website, and I'm not affiliated with them. They've just, they contacted me, and they sent one to me, and uh, they said, if you'd like to feature it on a video, that'd be great. We're trying to get the word out, and I did, because I really, really like it. But it's uh, Warp 5. So if you look up Warp, Warp 5 Sterling Engines, you can go see what they make. And they're all, they, they make them all there in England. They're really really nice. It's just a, it would be a great gift for someone. And they have a kind of a cool, well, we, I'll bring you in here. We'll look at this together. They have, it's so quintessential English here, the little paper brown black envelope with the string. Uh, it's a shame what has happened to poor England. I weep for their lost culture. It was so promising. Yeah, we're in the same boat, aren't we? So, oh, look at, yeah, let me bring you in here close. There's all sorts of goodies here. Oh, do we have a super chat? Did I miss something? Good grief, I'm sorry, guys. We have a super chat from A, who says, Hi, Cody, what are your thoughts on government handouts? <sighs> you know, I mean, I, I, I of all people, am for, I, I hate to see anyone go hungry. Uh, there's just no reason for it. And if, there, if people are going hungry in this country, now it's because of mismanagement. It's not because there isn't enough food. You know, it's, it's just such a shame or corruption or whatever, whatever it is. With that being said, you know, if we look to the Bible for our guide or God's word, you know, the, the standard of the day, how, how the welfare system was back in the, in the day of the, of the early Jews was that uh, if you had a field and it was square or rectangle, uh, you were commanded uh, not to, to leave the corners, that, to not to cut all the corners. And, and, and that was, there were section, little sections of each field that everyone was, was commanded to leave it there. And they could harvest all the other stuff. And the reason for that, that that was, for the glean, that, that was left set aside for the gleaning of the poor or the widows or the indigent, people who had fallen on hard times, so that... There was always food for them, but, there, but the catch was they had to go out and get it. No, the men were not going to put it and, and thresh it, you know, put, have it there in bags for them to take, you know, like an EBT card or something. They had to actually go out and, and sweat and work for it. So, you know, a system like that is, is really nice. It would be nice if you could invoke something where if someone falls on hard times and has a need, if they're able-bodied, they should have to be able to go and, and do an honest day, you know, a regular day's work like the rest of us do uh, to receive that. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, I do not, I think we, we're commanded to help our fellow men, but if they're just taking it and squandering it or they're using it on cigarettes or booze and you're taking advantage of us, then I would say no to that. But thank you for your super chat. We have a super chat from Aiden Murray. Shout out to you, Aiden. And Aiden writes, hey, Cody, what's up? Well, we're going to be taking a look at the Sterling engine and putting that propeller on here in just a minute. But thank you for that. And a super chat from Attilio Florida Risso. You mentioned yesterday you, you are stocked up on ammo. What ammo do you buy, recommend, for 9mm and 223? Well, it depends on it depends on what weapon you're using and what barrel length and such. So, 
I primarily primarily have two. Um, I don't remember the grains. I shoot the I, I I shoot a special ammo for the Mark. I could go get it. Can't remember. It's a Hornady. Anyway. It depends, I guess. So uh, are you targeting? Are you trying to save money? You know, just run wolf and steel through your gun, you know, and that's a good test, uh, you know, don't, if it's just for targeting. But if you're buying it to be for, for defense, I would buy high quality stuff. And I buy stuff from the, what is it, Lake? What, what is it? What's the Lake something that does all of the military ammo? And I bought that by bulk. It's, it's high quality, military grade um, ammo that lines up with all my BDCs. So if you're using like a ACOG with a BDC or a, any type of optic like that that is kind of scaled for that 14.5 barrel and a, a particular grain, you, you'd want to look at that. So those, I didn't realize how important this was until I started getting into precision, precision shooting uh, the amu, ammunition choices and the grain selections but it makes a big difference. Like if you take the, Mar like what happened with a Mark 18, when the Mark 18 was developed for close quarters for the Navy, and then it was adopted by the SEALs, and because it was so handy that it was used in, you know, in street fighting and close up, where, where guys were really close up because of that short barrel, it was real maneuverable. But, and this is what I've read, so you're getting this second hand, but I read from people that I've thought to be credible. And it was, well, they were fine with bad guys. It was penetrating, but it wasn't doing a lot of damage. And guys were still stating they were fighting back even after being shot multiple times. So they got to somehow mess messing around with uh, the precision rifle that Knight, uh, oh, who was it, Stoner built? That is it the Mark 12? They had a special ammunition that was developed for that. And they started using it and found out that that was really uh, deadly in that Mark 18. So when I was doing that research and building that rifle, I sourced ammo for that specific platform um, and then for my 14, 5, and 16s, uh, just that standard military grade stuff. So I'm not the expert on that. I, I just was trying to make a good decision before I bought and that, that was kind of what I went with. Uh, something that was military grade and consistent. You know, I have a whole bunch of it and it's all the same. I don't have a, miss, a bunch of stuff mixed up. All right, we have a super chat. Goodness, for $20 from our friend Kevin. Shout out to you, Kevin. Uh, and Kevin writes, Cody, in a small engine tech in Quebec, the low oil is going to shut off spark. If you don't have fuel uh, to the carb, it could be the other things. Tank fuel filter or fuel pump. Ultrasonic carb cleaner is the best way, God bless. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think what we'll check is the fuel filter. So I watched a video on it this morning. We have, looks like we have to pull the front of that off to access that. And some guys were even taking and um, eliminating it, bypassing it, and just putting a, an inline uh, over here on the other side. So we'll have to look at that. But thank you, Kevin. Goodness, that was very generous of you. Okay, I'm gonna bring you in here a little bit tighter. You don't want to see this little engine. We'll put that propeller on. Yeah, isn't that something right there? Goodness, that is beautiful. That might be too much light. Okay, let's throw that on and 
see if she, uh, see if we can get her to chooch here. To steal the phrase from our friend AVE. So inside we have, we have the lubricating and maintenance kit. Yeah, and multiple, four extra drive belts. Those are just standard O-rings. You could source those anywhere, couldn't you? And then um, instructions for, yeah, for the care and feeding of. And this is real. This is another cool thing that came with the other one. You're gonna love this. This is so so cool. And here are the tools even. So everything you need. This is this is very fun. This is one of the pleasures of life when you get to enjoy nicely built things like this. So this right here is the oiler. Can you see that? Right there without focus. Yeah. So so this it's it looks like it's been made by a machinist, you know. I mean I don't know, but it looks hand, looks like it's handmade. And then you have a, a little dauber. And that's how you lubricate it. Just a tiny, tiny bit. You have to be careful not over lubricate it. It has an O-ring on it, so that won't leak. And then this is, check this out, a little traffic cone. I've never seen this before. A little traffic cone of oil, a refill. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Oh, it's the little things in life, gentlemen. It really is the, the little things here. Okay, so we will have to torque these head bolts too after a time. I have to go in and remember or read what that was. So this is a brass shaft and we'll slide that on there. And we have a little stainless steel grub screw here. Not like get my sausage finger out of the way there. A grub screw just will just seat down on that brass shaft. Now this is interesting, we're gonna have a gear reduction. It's gonna, or interesting to see how the speed varies. I think I might even have uh, an, the instrument to measure RPMs digitally with a laser. We could even count, if I still have that, that would be cool, wouldn't it? Okay, am I in contact with that yet? Be careful, those little grub screws. I guess I'll just with it. Yeah, I might be over tightening it there. That's plastic, a heat, a high heat plastic on there. Better pay attention with what I'm doing here. Okay, so it's, it's loose there. Oh, I was good. It hasn't come in contact yet. It's just deep in there. Oh, I knocked my drive shaft. There it is, oh, I felt it in contact, okay. I just didn't run it and seat it. So these little pulleys have tiny grooves cut in them. Blindly blind and old and decrepit gentlemen. I can't even see. There, okay. Wow, that, yeah, that's a different gear. Okay, this is the cover. Really nice cover. This definitely helps with the ash. And we'll set that over there and we'll check back once it gets good. Remind me, please, to uh, set that back or start it spinning. 
and we can get this generator going. Goodness. Okay, you ready, Mama? Oh, it's going to be great to have two. There's room for, uh, there's probably room for five. <laughs> if, a guy, if a guy wanted to, it would be all the same to the, to the stove. It wouldn't know any different, would it? I better put this stuff away here before I lose it. <laughs> but thank you, Kevin, for that super chat. Yeah, I, I'm going to uh, follow your instructions here. We're, all, we're on the same page here. Do we start with the fuel? Gentlemen, should we start with the fuel or do we need to start with the it's too high. Uh, the exhaust. What do you think? Fuel or exhaust? Carburetor? Man, I'm really keen to look at that fuel line or that fuel filter, to be honest. It's very suspicious that the one time I loaned it out, it comes back not running. Did they use the fuel that I gave them? I don't know. All right, let us find out. So to get to that fuel filter, we have the fuel tank is right here on the front. Um, we need to take off this front cover, so we just have a few Phillips screws. That looks like a number, is that a number two? It's a big, or is it a, oh yeah, it looks like a three, but it is a two. So we have one, two, I've never had this apart. It's incredible how much they've crammed into this tiny little package. It is an, an amazing piece of equipment. And to always start, I mean, I just, I've never had an issue with it before. Zach, you said the muffler? Zach says his muffler messed up. Okay, we'll start, we'll do that. We'll, we'll do the obvious, Occam's razor, right? We'll, do, we'll check the filter, and then we'll check the muffler and see if it's all carboned up. There's a spark arrestor in there. So what, what can happen with engines and what the Forest Service is always worried about is carbon can build up on the exhaust system and as it gets hot it can blow out chunks, little flaming chunks, and they start fires in the grass. Dirt bikes, um, that's e even gas engines when we're on wildland fires that, are, that have a lot of grass and things are, conditions are really dry, we, they won't even allow a Type 6 engine like I'm always on to, to even uh, be out there, only diesels, because the diesel exhaust runs so much cooler. And the diesel exhaust is much less likely uh, to start a grass fire. Oil light, yeah. I watched a video of a guy that was really checked out on the electrical side, and he, was, he showed how to test that oil meter uh, through doing like a continuity check. The right tool for the right job, that's what Snap-on says, right? 
why struggle? Take a moment and grab the, I can't find it. Grab the, the tool that makes your job easier. Ooh, those are going to be, those are gonna be troublesome, I see. That's where, that's the snap-on difference right there. You imagine stripping that with a cheapo screwdriver? I know they're expensive, but you don't have to get a mechanic, a full mechanic set. I'm talking, you just get your basics, your 3-8 sockets, wrenches, and a set of screwdrivers. You know, you do that over time. Buy them secondhand on, uh, you can buy anything you want, snap on on Facebook Marketplace for half price, and, and they sh everybody ships. I've bought stuff off there, I've never had any problems. Okay, let's see if we can get, I'm trying to get in the habit of putting tools away uh, back in their place rather than having them build up on the work area. I, I tend to think it's handier to have, uh, you know, leave it out when you're, okay, I'm going to grab that 10 millimeter again. Uh, sometimes it is, but it gets to the point where now things are falling off and you can't, you're searching. I wonder if it's just better and more efficient just to put it back and just pull it out as you need it. I see a perfect example of a use, a great use for my panel tool. And always check your length on your screws, gentlemen, on these things and make a note and remember you know, which ones were which, which I should, should have kept them better, but some of these are screws and some of them are bolts. And you, there are, you can have conflicts on engines where, like on the KTMs, where if you are putting the side cases on and you get the order mixed up, uh, you can run them in there and actually break and damage and destroy the engine. So I'm, I'm, when I do that, uh, what I'm gonna take them off and there'll be like a maybe eight or nine, 10 of them. I'll take a piece of cardboard and I'll draw basically a picture of what the part is and then I'll mark them, you know, like 12 o'clock and then like a clock and I'll mark them all and actually poke them in the holes in the cardboard and lay it down. So when I put it back, they go directly back in. That's how I don't trust myself to uh, not make a mistake. We have a super chat from our friend, South Coast Fabrication and Outdoors. Shout out to you who says cheers from the South Coast. Well, cheers to you and thank you for your generosity. Get my favorite tool, the old panel tool. I had a guy who worked for me, his name was Tom, when I was we were dismantling Jeeps, and his job was, full-time job was just taking Jeep Wrangler TJs apart. And his first day at work, and I had done it myself for years, his first day at work, I gave him one of these. I said, Tom, put this in your, in your side pocket. You know, he wore Carhartts with a side pocket. Put this in your side pocket, and, and you will... You'll thank me later. Well, when he, we worked together for a long time, and when we moved, you know, it was just too far for him to drive. Uh, he told me that uh, that last day that that he was uh, had bought his own and had been recommending re recommending them to his friends. So, if you like to take stuff apart, so there's a rubber boot here. Pretty straightforward. Don't see any problems? 
Am I missing anything here, gentlemen? Boy, there's a lot of corrosion. This thing has uh, been rode hard. Oh, there's a weather seal in this too. Take note of that, gentlemen. There's a rub hole. There's a actually a hole. That whole thing's weather sealed with a big old O-ring. Okay, so why are you not? Wanting to come out. Oh, here we go. Slow down here. You guys want to come in closer? You let me know. You want to come in closer? Or are you happy where you're at? Oh, I see. Looks, oh, there's bolts in there. Oh, I went out of sequence here. That's what I did. So I have to remove this panel first, and then I, and it'll... Okay. I think. Now, I might, maybe I'm... Can I just lift that over? What's keeping that from coming out? Or is that... Maybe that might be retained by some wires, or even the tank. Yeah. Goodness, we have a very generous super chat from our friend Robert Harcourt. Shout out to you, Robert. Thank you for your generosity. A double Loctite member. Loctite, no, double alternator, excuse me. Perish the thought. You're way, beyond, way more advanced than that. I see. Okay, so we have a little... No, is that a ground screw? Oh, a zip tie, there it is. This is the panel, this is what the panel tool was, what, what it lives for. So, we'll see how good their plastic is. I'm a, I'm a, not only am I a spiller, I'm a factory clip holder breaker, wire loom clip breaker. Cursed things that I've seen them all as a jeep doing those jeeps apart. Jeeps apart. If I can get my claws on it there, I'll pop that off. Oh, I had it. Well, I'm just going to pull it right up by its feathers backwards there. That's what I do. A man can only stand so much. Okay, we've got a ground screw that is hindering us. Goodness, all this. Can we not get to that fuel line from here? Oh, I can see it there. No, we cannot. We have to. So... Is that going to liberate me if I? Those look like ten millimeters. Cursed is a cursed electric or a metric system. That's, that's eight millimeters, isn't it? It's pretty small. The Honda is probably some weird thing, and I, of course, I don't have that eight millimeter. 
this little that Motion Pro or Pro Motion, this little tri tool. Goodness, it's one of my it's was one of my favorite tools, especially if you work on something that has this, the six eight ten. Look at that, of course. They got to be Honda. You're gonna tell me they used a seven millimeter? Would they do that? No. Well, we have a mystery here. Unless my sockets are messed up. That's a 10. This is an 8. Should be an 8. Yeah, that's it. My fault. 8 millimeter. You know, it's not my fault. The, the metric system is so darn complicated. I mean, who can understand it? I mean, why anyone would want to work with a system that was based on logic and math versus a system that was based off of the length of a barleycorn uh, is beyond me. Oh, yeah. Facky, Mama Kitty, she is, uh, she's, I think she hunts all night. So we have one more ground screw here. So the ground screw, gentlemen, don't let me forget, here goes on the right-hand side on the bottom. We have a, we have to put that back, that green one right there, don't forget. And then we have one more here, and that, maybe this will separate. If you're just joining us, we're going to get this generator going. We're, this is the, pro, <clears throat> the process that is required to get to the fuel filter. And another Phillips screw on the, for the ground. Gonna, they didn't give you much lead there, did they? Can I get at it? My screwdriver's too long. This has never been a part. Oh, it's a nice solid brass screw though. Now you expect nothing less from our Honda friends at Honda. They were doing so good till they didn't warranty my my poor Pioneer cam going flat. Uh, I guess we all make mistakes. Okay, goodness. The labors of Hercules to get that, that fuel filter. We have a, and now it's full of fuel, I'll bet. So that is going to want to run all over my toolbox. <laughs> I didn't think that one out, did I? So the fuel filter is inside of that, eh? Is that what I hear? 
Oh, I see. Also, I didn't realize that this turns the fuel off. That off and on is uh, also controls, um, shuts off the fuel. Okay. Or, here we go, what if I tipped it up on its side and uh, how much fuel's in there? Oh, it's full, of course. Okay. I'm going to take this out and drain it into a receptacle. And you gentlemen are going to have a cat stream. Yeah, what do you think of that? We are back, gentlemen. Okay, so inside of here, we have a little small fuel line. So we'll grab some 
needle nose. that little guy right off of there. You probably want to see what's going on here. Panel tool to the rescue again. Always be careful with these little molded tabs on these fuel tanks. They will. There's going to be some residual fuel in here. Boy, I wish I had a little cap. I do. I have those little rubber plugs in my granddad's stuff. It'd be perfect for that, wouldn't it? Have to. It's, I think the filter's up inside there, though. So we'll, we can just tip it up. Little fuel we're, we're used to spilling. Oh, I see it right there. Look at that. And it looks very dirty. What my old eyes can see. Oh, interesting. Ooh, that looks, looks hideous. Can someone look up and can you use carburetor cleaner? Oh, goodness, look at that. Look at that's some bad fuel in there. It looks like mud. Can you see that? Wow, I can't believe that. That's got bad fuel. Someone put, it looks like someone put dirt in the tank. I wonder if it was, I wonder if it was industrial sabotage. Does that not look like, no, sawdust maybe. Just a, just, no, it's definitely dirt. It's got a, it's got clay in it. Hmm. That's very mysterious. What if we got a little, why don't I go grab a, well, I guess the fuel was drained out, but it went into the old barrel, you know, the waste barrel, so I can't look and see what it was. You suppose there's a, what if we sloshed a little? What if we sloshed a little into a, container. Is there, if we tipped it, is there anything left? How about I dump it right on my phone? Or we could just put a little bit in there until it came out, right? Add a little fuel. What do you think, gentlemen? Boy, look at that. We're gonna have to clean that up. All right. Oh, man. Cleaning stuff. Why would somebody put dirt in there? Maybe they, it was at the bottom of their dirty fuel can. Goodness, never loan anything, never loan power tools. That's what we've learned here. If nothing else, we've learned that. My wood splitter never was, has never been the same. The guy came back and dropped it off up on the road, not running with a broken pole cord and a bunch of dirty fuel in the tank that I had to scour out and all rusty because it wasn't, wasn't kept inside. It's aggravating, isn't it? How many times should I forgive my brother? Or how many times shall I forgive the man who sins against me? Peter asked Jesus, what did Jesus say? No, Peter said seven times, and Jesus said, no, I say not seven times, I say seven times 70. 
So is that the number? Is that a finite, finite, finite number that our brother sins against us, that we're supposed to forgive him? Or is that just hyper, being hyperbolic, trying to make a point that as long as he needs forgiveness? But I can't give that forgiveness because I, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> and I get, I get very sore and cross when my power tools come back all messed up. And I, and I don't think that's an unreasonable um, position to take. You lend, you shall mend. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Richie knows what time it is. That's exactly right. You lend, you mend. You know, for those of you who weren't taught right, and I, I'm fortunate because I was taught right, but my dad and my granddad always taught me when you borrow something from a man, you bring it back in better condition or bring it with a gift. Give him some added benefit of some sort. Added benefit could be you know, a bottle of his favorite scotch. could be uh, uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, whatever. But bring it back clean. Bring it back full of fuel so that when he looks at it, you know, you borrow a man's dump trailer. Here's a perfect example. And like mine, this happened to me recently. Uh, borrowed a dump trailer uh, and I keep it. I know the condition. I look at it every day and keep it clean and it, I take care of it. I sweep it out. Don't leave rocks and stuff on the back and make sure the battery's charged, right? That's what I'm used to looking at it. Well, he takes it for one day, you know, and then brings it back and it's got dirt in the corners. And, you know, it's just minor little things. But every time I look at it, and, you know, we're, you know, kind of rubbed up and rubs, you know, scraped up the side a little bit. And, and every time I look at it, that's just a reminder of that that guy asked to borrow my piece of equipment and brought it back worse. I'm worse for wear. I, he's wore, put wear on the tires. He's put just wear and tear on it in general. I've received no benefit. And it puts a craw in a guy, or it gets, you get stuck in your craw and you don't like it. And you start to resent that man. So it's really important if you want to maintain uh, friendships uh, to make sure you don't take advantage of folks because you got to respect a man's time you disrespect a man when you disrespect his time by showing up late or um, you know just not reciprocating you know how it is let's get this little guy guy cleaned up here Amsoil carburetor cleaner is super good, but it's toxic. It's it's powerful. You have to. It's, it's no joke. You know. You don't want to get it on you, on your face or anything. It splashes. Oh, look at all of that! Just black goo. Oh goodness. What it makes you wonder? What's in the carburetor float bowl? We're gonna have to look at that, aren't we? Well, it's looking better anyway. We'll squirt a little there on the inside. Hopefully it doesn't come back up. Probably wrap, wrap it in a rag. That's what, the, that's what the professional homeowner would do. If you're spraying this stuff, that's a little trick. Just quarter your rags. And then when you're going to, whatever you're aiming to do there, can kind of confine it within the rag, then you can go full blast 
and you don't have it spraying all over your shop and all over your face. That is a very fine little filter though, isn't it? Very fine. I, a contaminated fuel system is a, man, that's a bad, that's a, some cases uh, you almost have to just scrap it all and start over, at least pull it all apart and go through the tank and all of that. I'm concerned. Can we get that float bowl off on that carburetor? What's involved with that? Honda is usually, oh yeah, we have a bolt, that's just a 10 millimeter on there. I think, I think we should look at that float bowl on that carburetor, gentlemen. I'll very, take a very serious look at that. You see here, I didn't put my tools away and now I'm wanting to turn this and things are trying to fall off. My bolts are mixed up. A guy's got to take, you just got to put your tools back. You have to work. That's the only way to work efficiently. Yeah. Keep your parts organized. That's the way we do it. Like if I don't need something on the bench, why, why is it taking up space? So just put it back. Learn your drawers too. There we go. Having a cleaning cart, I, I'm, I'm always cleaning and oiling and stuff, especially those motorcycles. I mean, you know how they are. Uh, and one, one, something that's been really, I've enjoyed is having a little cleaning cart. I know I've shown you guys this before, but it's super handy. I just took my old tool cart. And these are, these are just anything for cleaning or getting stickies off there. Isopropyl alcohol. I, u I use a lot of that for, isopropyl alcohol is nice to have in a shop because if you need to clean something before putting an adhesive or a sticker on, it leaves no residual. That's why they put it in eyeglass cleaner, those little spray bottles you get from Costco. That's what that is. 90%, 91%, that's the best grade. But order a case of that in the shop. Have that in the shop. It's super handy, and you can use it for wound dressing as well or cleaning. Uh, Bell Ray grease, you know, the, probably the best, some of the best grease in the world. Waterproof Bell Ray motorcycle grease with the, the brush mod. So when you need to grease something, you don't get it all over your fingers, or you don't need a rag, you just you can dab it on there. That's a handy thing to have right there. That's a really good tip. The silicone ice maker, I learned from you guys, that's what these are. <laughs> it's perfect for when you're taking things apart and you, and you can do them in order. So if you're not real confident with it and you're worried about putting things back in the right sequence, you know, just go clockwise, clockwise, counterclockwise. Sharpie and a paint pen. I mark my master links on paint pen so when I'm checking cleaning or lubricating, uh, write notes or torque specs, black sharpie. And then this cart, when I'm working on stuff, the, having the carpet in there is nice because you just have a little workspace <clears throat> where I'll keep commonly used tools and such. But chain, chain lube, firearms lube, M&P metal protectant, which is Amsoil's version of WD-40. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their glass cleaner is excellent. Glass cleaner. Spray grease. DuPont dry film, if you don't want to have something getting greasy or collecting dirt or dust, but you need to lubricate it, this is super good. Mud slinger, which saves a lot of work in cleaning, like a silicone-based uh, mud, mud and water just shed right off of it, and then 
carb cleaner. Rags, really high quality microfibers. These Maxim three pack, these are really good. They'll last you a long, long time. You can, just re you can wash them, but they're handy to have. And the magnetic parts bowl is good. When you throw your bolts in, that's probably what I should have used there, but they stick. You know, we've all, whoops, that one didn't. That's an, what's that, an aluminum bolt, stainless steel. No, it sticks. <laughs> stainless steel won't stick. All right, but that's the cleaning cart, and that's super handy. That kind of rolls along with the toolbox. They all, they work together really well. Goodness, we have a super chat. We have a super chat from, Ke or a super sticker from Kevin Kalowski. Shout out to you, Kevin, and thank you for your generosity. Those super stickers. That's new, isn't it? Okay. Fuel filter. All right, let's take a look at that carb, that bowl, that float bowl. I think we can pull that off there just with that one socket. We have a super chat from our friend Jason Barr. Do I dare go for high production? Look at that, a dual camera setup. <laughs> Shout out to you, Mr. Jason Barr. Thank you for that. Uh, East Coast men, use Amsoil too. The best stuff made. It really is, isn't it? I, I never have been a, my, nor my granddad, it was never a, uh, a believer in buying a, a mechanic in a can or all that snake oil. You, you got a lifter that's ticking, you know, put this purple stuff in or whatever. I mean, some, sometimes it works, but most of the time, you know, it's kind of a bit of a Hail Mary. And so when you hear about things being better, then you look at the price and you're wondering, oh, it's hard, hard to quantify it. You know, like I, well, you know, here I got a brand new truck and I used, uh, you know, the stuff that Napa gave me, the Napa brand, and it works fine. But then you're telling me AMS oil and, you know, it it doesn't really feel that much different, you know, but is there a difference? And you know, the, I started to see it with, with things that were really being used hard, like the clutches on the KTMs. And that's where it really came through for me when, when I saw that it was superior there. Uh, and then started using their uh, stuff, their cleaning stuff, their cleaning stuff and their spray greases, just the little attention to detail, just a little thing like having rubber keepers, little silicone keepers uh, that keep your spray tubes on there. You know, these are always getting knocked off. You always have them all over your shop floor and you're wondering where do they go and which, and they're not all the same size, it seems to me anyway, but if it falls off, you know, it's always retained there or you don't want it. So those little things and then everything being USA made and their shipping is super fast and I like the website. You can go there and if you have multiple vehicles or multiple pieces of power equipment, you can start a garage and it's good. So you can go there and and uh, try it. Try some of that mudslinger. If you like to, everything to look, if you have a motorcycle or anything, skis, wh whatever, anything that you want to look shiny and to look really sparkle and look nice, this stuff here, I put it on. So I, it, I just fog the whole bike with it and then I wipe it down with a microfiber and it leaves a, a nice matte finish. It's not shiny and glossy and fake looking, and it's not sticky, that, so it doesn't collect dirt. It just looks 
looks good. When people comment on it. Like when you do that and wipe it down, every time if I, when I unload my bike, people are like, dang, man, that bike looks sharp, looks good. What is it? Just the right amount of luster. Uh, they've got it right, but it's a good product. Also, once you cover your bike, fog your bike with that or whatever you're doing that's getting dirty, even if you're like an off-roader, put it up inside of your, your uh, wheel wells. When you go to wash it, that dirt doesn't adhere to it near as good or much, much easier, easier to wash. We have, a, but we have a super chat from our friend Back Creek Homestead. Shout out to you, Back Creek. Uh, a super sticker and a super chat from Mr. Kevin Kalowski who's asking, how's the new fan working? Shall we, shall we go check? I'll bet we've got some heat in it. Let's do that. Thank you for the reminder here. Can I zoom you in over here? Let's give it a spin. Look at that. Nothing but the best production around here. Go ahead and click that thumbs up, gentlemen. And this is the new Sterling. It's maiden voyage here. It sits much lower on the, oh, that's cool. The belt drive is a whole nother level, isn't it? It's very smooth, too. I wonder which one's turning faster. Maybe you guys with that, the frame rate I have set can see a difference. I don't know. Isn't that neat? Man, that is cool. Yeah, you guys should go check out their site, and I hope they're watching. That, that's super cool. That was very generous of you. I, I'll, we'll enjoy that. That's pretty neat. Now it's like a, I feel like my wood stove is going to turn into a P38 Lightning or a Thunderbolt or whatever it was. P38 Lightning, was it? I forget. My granddad was into those old warbirds. I grew up He'd talk about them because he was in the Air Corps, so he was around them a lot. In, uh, I think when he was in Egypt or Africa or wherever. Is it the same thing? I was told that was the same thing. But I'm an American. I don't know, I don't know any geography. You know, when you're, at, when, when you're at the center of the world, you can't be bothered, right? That was supposed to be funny. Okay, yeah, if we pull this one, if we pull this one bolt out. I want to see what's inside the, this float bowl. It should pop right off. Boy, this is compact, man. They, the engineering on this is very impressive. I've got a little fuel spillage, which is, only makes me feel at home. Are any of you spillers? Like, whatever you touch, a gas can or anything, there's always going to be either, it'll be either on you or all over the floor? Or is that something that I, is that just my personal cross to bear? Thank you, Robert. Appreciate that. Robert says, thank, uh, well, that's very kind of you to say. Glad to have you here. Okay, we got the bolt out. So you don't want to drop that. The float came loose. It has a little rubber. That doesn't look so good either. Oh, it's rusted on the top. That's never a good sign. 
We got one little, boy, this thing is compact, goodness. Let's pop this fuel line off. Try not to break the float. I don't even know if you can get this out. I might be barking up a wrong tree here. Does anyone know, can you remove the float bowl without taking the carburetor loose? I just want to peek inside. It doesn't seem to want to come out. Yeah, the wood stove, we're gonna name it the P38. It's gonna be the P38 wood stove now, from now on with the dual propellers, but they're not counter-rotating, so it's not, a, it's not a true P38. Can anyone, are there any smarties out there? Does anyone know why? I got it, gentlemen. Why the propellers on a P38 Lightning counter-rotate? Let's see who's smart, oh goodness. Oh, look at that. I'm gonna, you, you're not gonna believe it. This does not look like something that has happened recently. I'm, I don't think I'm, I can blame the, this just looks like I must have got bad fuel in it. What do you think? I mean, it's not, it's not horrible. It's just a sludge of super, super fine like clay has gotten past that, that filter. Yeah, oh, look, there we go. So this, this is the, there's a needle valve right here. That thing is all full of dirt. I'm surprised it ran at all. That's why it was hard starting. But I think we can fix this. This might, this might just take care of our problem right here. I wouldn't surprise me if we're gonna have it back online. There's a rarely used screwdriver. Don't get to that one very often. Yeah, can you see? Oh, I got the wrong camera on, don't I? Nothing but the best production around here. I'm over there talking to the other camera. Here we go. So right there, so that that is a there's a little jet there, it looks, a little seated little point there for the needle, what is it, they call it the needle valve. So if we take this out, we can clean this all out, put it back in, put some clean fuel in there. But what's in the tank? We're taking, taking the tank out, it's going to be, that's going to be next level. Look at all of that, those goopers in there. Well, let's spray those out. Clean that up. I don't see any varnish. No, no, no varnish. I don't, I've never used, I only use non-ethanol fuel. So I can, when I wipe this, when I wipe this, uh, that clay out of there, you still see the, the factory shine on the, on the coatings. But it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't terrible. I've seen, I've seen way worse on some old Briggs. Some people think they can, oops, 
Don't drop it. You know, see, cat-like reflexes are required when you're a professional homeowner. I really messed up my hands on that enduro ride. My hands are still tingly. I talked to a guy yesterday, a really cool dude, who has invented a, a stem to hold handlebars that has, it isolates it, so it's, there's no metal-to-metal -metal contact, it's all on rubber. And it was a really a, interesting dude and, you know, came out of, came from a background of just an enthusiast, you know, was a construction guy and had a construction company and, but liked to ride and was, wanted, was having trouble with his hands like I was and he invented this product which has turned into, you know, a big company that he does full time now. But he must have gave me an hour of his time and, uh, taught me so much just about how to set bikes up and what they've learned over the years. It was just invaluable. And uh, I bought the parts from him. So those are going to be coming. So those are going to be cool. So that looks better, gentlemen. So here we have the needle valve. Let's see if we can give you a autofocus. Is the Autofocus is challenging, but this is the best autofocus in, that is currently available in the world right now. So this should be good. This is the R5. But there's the jet. Is that the right terminology? And that screws in here. Small engines are, are quite enjoyable to work on. Everything, the scale is so small and you don't need a lot of big tools. They're relatively simple. And it's very, it's quite an accomplishment to take something that wasn't running and get it going again. That's kind of the pride of a man, isn't it? To be able to, to fix things and keep our world going. That looks a lot better, a lot, lot better. Okay, so where are we? What did, now what did I do with that filter? Here we go, so we got the filter cleaned up. Did I show that to you? Did I give you a good picture of that? So here's that filter. So there is an inline filter. It was all completely gubbed up, but now it's clean. I'm, I'm reluctant to bypass, I'm not gonna bypass it, I'd rather just just leave it. I don't think it needs replaced. But so we have that. So we'll put that back in. We might have to do this a couple times if uh, if that fuels. I don't know if I can see down inside that there's a. Oh, here we go. What if I took our? What if we took our flashlight? Well, let's take a peek. See if we can see anything down in there. What do you think, Mama? Can we use your cat-like eyes to see down in the dark? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I can see the bottom of the tank. And there's just a little bit of water. But otherwise clean. Tiny, tiny bit of water. So we could pour a little bit of alcohol in there. And the alcohol will bond with the water and run it and then burn and run through the system. But let's get it going. There's nothing in there. I mean, there's a tiny, tiny little puddle, bit of, bit of water in there, but it's clean. I can see the bottom. So that's good news. I'm encouraged. Okay, I've got, a, I've got a pet back in my step here now. We're not just wasting time. We'll put this filter back in. See if the ye old Honda will pull through. Don't be like me, take care of your fuel system. I didn't even know there was a fuel 
filter in that thing. Oh, we're starting to stockpile tools again here, Mama. Let's put clean as you go, just like a pro. I know. I know. Never enough. This, we're definitely done with this one here. Okay. So. Clamp on. Hi there, Mama. I know, I know. She doesn't understand, since I'm standing so close, why, while I'm here, why don't I pet her? Well, we had a, we had a standoff the, last night when I tried to take her blanket was going to go wash it, and she was not having that. She fought me off, tooth and claw. She, she just coming off the weekend where I didn't have a fire in there for two days, and it was down to 10 degrees, and she wasn't about not having that blanket. Poor thing. Okay, is there anything else we need to do? We've got that filter back in. We've got the clamps back on. We can put the float bowl back on and put that 10 millimeter bolt back in and then we can button it up and we can give her a give her a go. Now I flipped this thing upside down when I was uh, how's that look too? I flipped this thing upside down when I was pouring that fuel into the waste oil. Was that gonna mess up my did I mess up my or get oil up in anywhere I shouldn't have? Okay, so don't let me forget to put that hose in there. Ain't got no gas in it. Yeah, ain't got no gas in it. Yeah, let's put some gas in it before we, we do that. That's going to be a tricky one to get in there. So if I retain it with my finger, I'm going to reuse that washer because I don't have another one. I don't have anything to replace it with, so. Yeah, I don't know. Bob the Cat has taken bets on whether or not it's going to run here. But we're going to give it... I would put bets on whether or not I'm going to be able to get this 10 millimeter uh, metric bolt started. That's, the, that's the, what's really right in front of us right now. So cramped. Oh, I just can't get two fingers on it. Hard to turn a start a bolt with one finger. Come on now. These are the times that try men's souls. I wonder if anyone's ever written a good poem that 
puts this experience down in word when you're standing on your head trying to get a bolt started and your fingers are cold. Oh, we got it, gentlemen. We got it. We'll replace the air filter and the oil, but we'll check to see if it starts first before we fool around with that nonsense. Don't over torque. Remember, these are little tiny bolts, oftentimes going into aluminum threads. If it's not tight enough, it'll start leaking, you'll know. All right, put this fuel line back on. Now that's clean. Here's our choke assembly. So do we need to, yeah, we'd have to put those ground straps back in, so we need to secure all this as well. Hmm, okay. Fuel's good, all right, so we'll button this up and then I think we're ready to give it a go. Goodness, we have a super chat from our friend, Mr. Jason Barr. Shout out to you, Jason. Are you zoomed in here? Close enough. Nothing but the best production. Jason, thank you, says, um, are you not worried you will break one of the new Ten Commandments by using that generator? <laughs> I'm not, uh, to be honest with you. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> You'd have to go talk to our Catholic friends. You know, they might feel differently about that. But it'd be hard to be Catholic about now, wouldn't it? Or harder. Okay. So we've got three bolts. Let's turn this around so we can all... You know, mis company loves misery. Misery loves company. Misery loves company. And so we're going to be miserable together trying to get this, this front cover back on, aren't we? All right, I'm, I'm going to be accepting any uh, advice. And don't let me forget anything. So we've got those ground straps on the right side. I remember that. It's hard to remember bolts and how to, act, what, to focus on what, what you're doing when you're live streaming, which is, I'm convinced, the hardest job in the world. It's like the Iron Man of digital sports, especially when you're a one-man show. Okay, so that's that. Yeah, I probably don't need that, so we need a number two Phillips. And then these Phillips here, and these are all, and then what size was that? It was eight millimeter, wasn't it? Are you guys betting against me on the fact that it, whether or not this thing's gonna run? You know what, it's a Honda. You know when you put, put some fresh gas in it and a, uh, a new spark plug that she's gonna go. I need some specialty tools for this application right here. All right have yet to use my last acquisition I try to buy I try to add to my tool collection about yeah maybe every three months or so maybe twice a year two or three times a year I went a little crazy the other day or the, last year but for now you know maybe twice a year but the last thing I got was the the court this is the quarter inch drive set right here 
And this, it, these are the hybrids. So really a nice set and the, the container is fabulous. It's, it's really usable. You can push, get them out. But what's cool about these, I have the 3.8 set over there, is that with their sockets, you get, oh goodness, you get deflection or you can lock them up. Check this out. So this is a quarter inch drive, medium length socket. I like the mediums for general purpose and I use them 99% of the time. I don't, they're, they're not longs and they're not shallows. They're right in the middle, mid-size, and they're perfect. They're just perfect for everything. But when you pair them with this, now the first click on this, if you click it in, check this out. Look at all that deflection. It's like 19 degrees, I think. It's quite a bit. And it makes a big difference when you're trying to get in that tight spot. You can imagine right there. But sometimes that's unhandy when you're trying to, to start. If you're trying to start a bolt, you don't want that thing flopping about. But you push it one more click in, and now it's locked up. That's some beautiful engineering right there. And that is a tool when you're working on small engines and such that is you just can't live without if you're doing it professionally. Isn't that cool? Have you guys seen that before? Uh-oh, am, am I missing something? Don't bother bolting it up, just try it now. <laughs> You're probably right, but I have to get to the ground straps, or I, I would. I would absolutely do that. Oh, it, it's only three, right? How hard can it be? Are those the right ones? Boy, I don't... Oh, I see. I've got to make... So that goes into that inverter thing. Simple Simon, I think. What happened, Mama? Did that flashlight fall on you? There we go. One, two, one of those bosses. There's a little wire conflict there. Get that out of the way. And there are three bosses on there. You gotta be careful not pinch it. It looks like it's wanting to pinch a wire right there. That needs to be up and out of the way that boss to engage. I think I'll start one loosely that at least it'll kind of be as a, a guide to help me pull up the stubborn one. And this is another tool, the snap-on extensions with hard handles. Pulling that boss up might be. Let's make sure we get these wires out of the way here. Very compact, all of this stuff. Goodness.
So something is hindering. Oh, I see. There's some, you have to route, looks like you have to route that, that harness around. It's, there's, there's no room for anything. It's so compact, you have to route it around that little block there, I see. There we go. Okay. Just had the wire hanging up on me. Yeah, don't forget the ground. We're going to put the ground on. Thank you, gentlemen. The green ground right now. And then one more. And that'll hook that those two assemblies together. And then the control board should go right on. We've got that zip tie clip to put back on, so we don't want to forget that. Yeah, we'll check the exhaust next. But we should see if it fires, shouldn't we? Put a little fuel in it before we check the exhaust. Okay, so we had a clip here. What was that clip about? So that clip clips on right there. So we put that on first. And then we'll be done, ready to go. Clip, clip, so that's a job for needle nose for sure. Hold our mouth right. It should snap. Snap in there. But it's a mean one. It wants to fight me. I guess when you're producing millions of units or hundreds of thousands of units if you can save one inch of wire at the inconvenience of the tech for the bottom line then that's what you do or maybe it's just trying to achieve as much efficiency or lightness as possible i guess it only makes sense but they rarely consider the poor guys that have to work on them and they give them, oftentimes, in my opinion, they give them unrealistic flat rates. So they, you know, a lot of the mechanics, they, they don't get paid just by the hour. You know, they work flat rate. There's a time given for each task. And if they don't com complete it within that time frame, then, you know, it's coming out of their pocket. And that's a, it's a rough way to work because what, what oftentimes that what's not taken into consideration is the, what if the guy, uh, someone stripped out a bolt or, some non-professional homeowner got his grubby paws on it and must mucked with things, or what if there's rust all over it because you live in the, in the uh, godforsaken East Coast, you know? So these things are, uh, it's, life's hard. We're all struggling together, aren't we? We have a super chat from Mr. Jay Harris. Shout out to you, Jay. And he writes, I'd like to suggest a series of tractor safety. 
these individual tools can be really dangerous to Utain, Prohose. I've seen some folks doing a lot of dangerous operations and transporting, goodness boy. They are, especially, they're a lot safer now than they used to be. The old ones where you had to, what well, you'd put it in gear, and then you actually had a, a foot clutch. There's so much power and torque. If you had one of those tractors, in, a lot of guys got killed on them. In first gear, you can go up against a tree or a wall, that thing will flip right over and just keep, keep on chugging. It doesn't even know. They'll climb a wall, and they don't even know you're there. So, yeah, they are, yeah tractor, yeah, and transporting as well. I think people underestimate the forces involved and the weights involved and what size chains and binders and such. And Yeah. I never liked transporting equipment. I always felt I was on the ragged edge of safety. <laughs> well, there was no safety, especially in the early years or in the early days. All right. Let's put our cover on. All we have left is, oh, we have another ground. Did I miss a ground screw somewhere? What was the second ground? Oh, it was, it was in the bottom. There's a ground wire in the bottom. Where's that little guy? Remember that one? Oh, I see her down there. It was hiding from me. Been, we've been scratching our head. Yeah, I see it. There it is. Devious. Oh. Yeah, that would have been a bad one. We can put that right on right now. Chasing grounding problems. That can be really difficult. You think starting that 10, 10 millimeter was difficult. This might prove to be worse. Oh, no, it's going to be easy. Everything's got kind of a memory. It's falling into kind of going where it wants to go. Cat-like reflexes are essential. If the wire is so short that the screwdriver actually has to come in from below. Oh, unless I can bring, maybe I, I think I need to put, mount this plastic up and then that'll give us a little bit more. Oh, what about that O-ring? Don't forget about that. Is that in place? Yep, there's an O-ring around that whole perimeter. Boy, that's a really nice bit of work. It's really precision casting. I'll bet that's difficult. I didn't know anything about casting and plastics until I started watching ABE's channel and I learned about the difference and how how they make plastic resist heat with glass fibers. It's, his knowledge is vast on that stuff. I, I don't know what he does. He must be in the must be mining or manufacturing or both. But what a skill set. Boy, that is wire is so short. This is unbelievably tricky. If I can get some more, I can get more angle on that. That's the trick. Well, there is literally no room to spare. That wire is so short. I'm sorry, guys, I wasn't watching your chat there.
Good grief. I'm going to have to start that by hand. It's the only way. If I drop it, it'll be gone. Oh. I've heard these things were difficult to work on, but I didn't understand until now. Yeah, if we drop that screw... When I'm in the kingdom, I'm going to ask if, I'm, if I have a couple hundred years to perfect my timber framing skills, I'm going to ask for a third arm, just temporarily, that I could detach when I was in public, of course. I've got it started. It's a little brass screw. It's a grounding screw. And it is so... The wire is so short. Like I can't even... Tight. I think I'm gonna have to pull that off the bottom. We have to slide like a long screwdriver up there. Goodness. You see, this is why we like IRL, gentlemen. There's no fake in here. This is this is the this is the unvarnished reality. This is you know the good book tells us that. By the sweat of our brow, we'll make a living. And I tell you that we're in the weeds right now with it. And the whole thing is exacerbated, made more difficult with my failing eyesight. And then when you add the live streaming component on top of it, it becomes the world's most difficult job. It's just one screw. It's one screw. How can that how can I not snake the screwdriver up through there and tighten that up? It's so well fitted. It's like working on a big clock with oven mitts on. Oh, I see it. I see. So I've created a small aperture. And I'm going to snake that screwdriver up there. I got it. We're on it. Well, we earned it. Now, if I don't drop the generator, roll off the box, and smash on the ground. There we go. That is... Oh, we did it. It's like we're knocking some other pieces apart here. I don't know what's going on there. So that just, it all just kind of slips together. And the cap holds it all in. Goodness. I was touch and go there, wasn't it? All right. So that lines up. Does it? You see, technology makes our life easier. And these tools that we convince ourselves that we just must have Make our make everything so much simpler. Oh, we got it. Okay, so the little bolts are those are the screws. The bolts go in the side. Okay, we have six. What four of those? Or those are screws? I forget. What goes in there? Yep, those are the bolts. Those have inserts. It's a very well-made piece of equipment. When you get into it, you see. Honda is just on a 
They're just on a, uh, their own level. I don't think that looks very good. That, oh, that snaps in there. Yeah, it's all pulled in. Looks good. I think we're ready for fuel. We put a new spark, spark plug in it yesterday. And these are screws. We can just put one of these in. We'll probably be back in here, no doubt. You know, it's never the, it's always something. It'll probably be that oil filter thing. The, the reason why it shuts off so quickly, you know, I wonder if it comes up and the computer boots up and then the oil sensor is faulty and, it, and it's throwing a reading that there's low oil and it kills the coil. That could be the consistency of the way that it starts and runs for three seconds and dies would lead me it would lead me to that, wouldn't you think? Yeah, let's put them all in so we don't lose them. The safest place to keep a screw is where it belongs, right? I hate that feeling of having a major project like R&Ring a transmission and having those bolts where there's bolts left over, especially when they're like a grade eight bolt. And when you know something is like a grade eight, that it's probably important. Good. I have to tell you guys, I used to, I, I had a shop I rented in Portland and it was a big building. It was right next to, there was a bunch of Russian dudes that did uh, high end. They were buying crash cars. It was, it was sketchy. It was pretty sketchy. They had a frame shop in there, frame polar, and then a paint booth, there was three of them, and they were friends, and they're about my age. They were actually pretty good dudes, but they were, they were shady. And they'd buy, and then they worked on really high-end stuff like S-Class Mercedes and M-Series and 3 and 5, 5 Series, BMW 7 Series. They would buy crash cars and literally just cut them in half. And if you've ever seen a Mercedes S-Class, the wiring loom in those things, the electronics in a Mercedes S-Class is... It's unbelievable. The wire loom, if I remember right, it was massive. Just going to the back to the trunk, who knows? Everything is automated on those things. And they would buy those things and they would cut, they'd cut them in half and they would take the crashed, the non-crashed portions and mate them together. And dudes would sit in there all night long splicing those wires with those cheesy little blue connectors. And so the wire loom that when they were done, it was unbelievable. The wire loom, when it was on its own, was about this big, but the massive ball of those, of those blue connectors, I don't know, there were hundreds of them in there, made it even more enormous. It was, and then wrapped up with electrical, oh, terrible. When they would put, when they would start assembling, they never tracked, kept track of the bolts that they use, like when they were pulling a front clip off of a, of a and these are high-end cars, like a, even an E-Class, you know, whatever. They would just throw the bolts in what was this common box. It was this huge box of bolts that was on a roller. That I don't think you could move it. And they would just like, just start shoveling down the ground and they would throw all the bolts in there. Regardless, they didn't keep track of anything, interior bolts, whatever. When they went to assemble, they would go to that bolt thing and they would shovel out a whole bunch of them. 
and just spread them out on the ground. They were just ever, and they would just grab a bunch of them and they would just cross-thread them in, whatever they could do to get them in, whatever. And whatever wouldn't bolt up, they would just weld it. I saw them weld bumpers on to bumper supports, you know, like, like through the chrome and everything. It, it was, don't buy, be careful, gentlemen. Be careful who you buy cars from. That's all I'll tell you. Those guys, those guys were really something. Okay, shall we put some fuel in it? Let's do that. Got a couple screws. We got these hard to get, these two hard to get ones in the bottom. We don't have any spare parts laying around, so that's a good sign. Yeah, those blue connectors are trash, man. When you see, if you see those things all over a car, I mean, I might give a trailer a pass. You know when you buy a trailer, if you see those, you're going to be redoing the wiring harness unless you want to have a headache. I can give it that a pass. But if you see that on a, on a vehicle, those blue wire connectors, uh, run. Just drop everything and just leave. Unless you know how to do rebuild wiring harnesses. All right, let's put our tools away. Do things properly here. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Is that what the old church ladies told us? And we'll put away our. What's your most used socket? I'd say mine's probably 10 millimeter. What's that all about? So this is a. I got something out of sequence. Come back to that. And pliers, we are ready. Okay. Let's go grab some fuel. Get ourselves a red can. Oh, you're about to witness some spilling. I can just about guarantee that because I've got these, uh, wish I had Jack's race can. I've got these dodgy uh, government approved spouts. I had, a I had a metal, the metal one that you're not supposed to have that's forbidden. And Jack was using it the other day and pressed a little too hard on it and it broke it off. And then we had one that fell off inside of the skid steer. Because <laughs> these things are so dodgy. Every, I, I'm not, every can comes with one. And I have, you get a one or two pours before the, the thing breaks. And now we're going to be doing it up overhead. So that you get ready for a show. So the cans are, are the best. But these spouts are, are not so much. The problem is, is they have a silly spring on them. And you have to compress the spring and when you tip it up and once it compresses there's so much head pressure on the spout that when it comes that sprays out in these four holes it's like a fuel injector it sprays out and, it, and the receptacle you're going into can barely handle the volume I mean it's just horrible I don't look at the cans for that's not really part of the spout I just figure out I'm gonna have, I just assume I have to figure something else out with the spout 
And these can be under pressure too, so don't stand in front of them when you pop them. Especially if you go from low altitude, you put them in at sea level and you go up to the mountains to, to put one. If you fill them up too, too much, they will, they'll spray fuel all over you. So be careful of that. But they're good, they're good cans apart from that. Heavy duty steel, military grade. Okay, let's, should we put this on the ground? We just need a little bit of fuel, right? No risk, no reward. There's no reward to be had by doing this here, other than just, you guys can laugh and mock me. Oh, see, that one's not even sealing, so it's not supposed to operate that way, but it does. I guess that's the best thing for now. Go get a lotto ticket, gentlemen. Place your bets, because this, this is a miracle. Five gallons, these are actually five and a half gallons at six gallons, six pounds a gallon. You feel it. Okay, that's enough fuel. There's no reserve on these. So when they run out, they just run out. I'm not taking any chances. The lid's going back on. I'm on borrowed time here. Okay, well, that was something. Put our fuel cap on. We've got a brand new fuel cap. Make sure that vent is open. That's off and on. Boy, I've seen plastic fuel tanks uh, with engines just pull them down, suck them down if you forget to leave the vent open or open the vent. What's the chance this thing's going to run? Are we going to go? Oh goodness, we have a super chat from Mr. O from the Overton, Win Overton Windex. Shout out to you, Overton, who writes, have you checked the exhaust for potatoes? Well, I always check the exhaust for potatoes. You know that, just like yourself. You're no fool, like myself. All right, just a quick check we have. The spark plug is in. I can hear fuel sloshing around, vent is open, choke. We don't know which way that is, we have to read it here. So the choke is this way. And then our fuel, our ignition, which this must be a dual purpose switch. It must do fuel and the ignition. Or maybe it's just fuel. Oh, never do that. Turn that on. Anything else? Check our oil. Yeah, the cap was loose. Let's check the oil. I did tip it, tip it a bit. All right, it's coming out, so we didn't lose any. Yeah, there, there is fuel in that can, thank you. But I don't fault you for asking that. Is, isn't it the obvious things that, that mess you up? Three poles, Catskill, how many poles is it gonna be? Come on, gentlemen, click, click that thumbs up here. This is nothing but the best, most high quality content on YouTube. This is in real life. Me doing the hardest job in the world. Three poles, is that where we're at? Boy, I might need a zesty drink before I Three poles. We have a new filter, new spark plug, three poles. I'm going to say five. Here we go. One, 
two, three, it's not looking good, gentlemen, four, five, Throttle. It's always the fuel, isn't it? It's always the fuel. It's always the fuel or the spark. It's fixed. Well, that is fabulous, gentlemen. That's absolutely fabulous. Let's throw a, let's throw a fresh air filter in and pre-filter. We'll just button it all up here. Oh, we have to do an oil change, don't we? So I've got the factory oil. I even have, this is kind of, you might be interested in this if you have a Honda 2000. I've not used this yet, but one of the big bummers, I've got my AMS oil. I, I'm a fanboy for AMS oil. It's a great, it's, just, you know, it's, it's a cool business. Guys can, I don't do it for a business. I, I just do it for my own stuff. But you, a guy could, the, the th people who know, know. You don't have to sell it, right? I mean, you, 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 ha you should know the product and all that. But you can sign up and become a dealer if you want just a little side hustle to do. And um, if you have a place where it would be legal and appropriate, you can even put up a sign. You can just get a couple, you know, just stock the, the popular stuff or the stuff you like and uh, just make it known. There's a guy down the road I saw that put up an Amsoil sign, and I, I thought, oh, that's cool. If I ever needed something and I couldn't wait to go get it, uh, that I would uh, just maybe stop by and just get it from him, right? So, and then you can make a little bit on it, and it makes it available to people. So it's a really cool business model. And there's lots of literature and help, and they, they really are uh, active in supporting their dealers from what I can see. Again, I haven't done it as a dealer. I just have had a very positive experience with the product and the whole thing where I just... I feel like whoever is behind Amsoil, they just feel like really good people to me. They feel like they care about their employees and they care about their product. And when I see that, I just don't even look else. I don't look anywhere else for products like that. I, I'll go to them first, and if they offer what I need, a grease or a cleaner or a protectant, I'll just go with them. I don't even search around anymore. And then uh, if they don't, you know, then the next best thing. It's good. It's a, it seems like a good company to me. This is the, the tool I was telling you about. So the, the bad thing, or for some people you can see the oil, there's no filter or anything, so the oil where you check it, it uh, is right there, and you drain it from there as well. And there's a little, also someone sent me, I think these came together, and I never, this is, this is kind of nice. So this looks like a, kind of an upgrade. It's a billet aluminum uh, oil checker which has a big, this is really nice actually. I've had these forever and I just, I've never had, I've never used them, but I thought we would. But th what this does, the idea here, actually I'm gonna run a rag through there. It's got a bunch of dust and goobers in it. It extends, it gives you a little bit, a little, basically a little spout that you can pour out into your, whatever you're filling with, or your oil pan. Oh goodness, we have a super chat. 
from Mr. Tony Peterson. Shout out to you, Tony. And Tony says, uh, P38 prop answer. Oh, do you have it? Here he goes. See, how, see if Tony is a smart, a smart man. Engine rotation was changed so that the propeller rotated outbound, reducing the downwash into the wing's counter section, fuselage juncture, camp poster. So I had never heard that before. I had a different answer, and I, you probably know more about it than I do, but what I was told was the counter rotating. So a P38, go online, open up a window, and look up the, the P38 Lightning. It was one of, my, one of my granddad's favorite planes, that and the P51. It's a dual engine plane where the pilot sits in the middle. Uh, it a, was a real horrible plane to bail out of because there's a, in the back is a crosswing. And to get out safely, if you bail out, you're going to hit that. It's going to kill you. So to bail out safely, you, if memory serves, you had to put the thing up into like a stall and then hope, or a roll or something and fall out some way and not hit that thing. It was pretty horrible. But it has two huge engines on it. And I was told they counter-rotate to, to offset the, the, the yaw. If you've ever been in a mo powerful motorcycle or a drag car, you'll see the whole frame twisting like that. Those engines, that would just crank that plane because it's so lightweight and those po the power was so high. So having the engines turning opposite, I don't know which way if they turn inboard or outboard, opposite, they, they counteracted that, that yawing effect and it was smooth. And so it was perfectly balanced. That's what I was told, and I don't know if that's true or not, but from your answer, it sounds like it's, you might have a better knowledge than I do. Mr. Jason Barr, we have a super chat, shout out to you. Uh, there is no better motor oil in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. I hear talk about something, there's some, something called Redline that's based off of a different, I don't know if it's something organic or whatever, but, but based off of something completely different that, um, is a true synthetic, but I, I don't know anything about it. I've heard, it's, it's, I think it's very specific for particular applications. But I don't know. I, I just, I leave it up to the guys with AMSOIL. When I saw what their transmission, synthetic transmission fluid did in my gearbox and my 300 after a brutal abuse in mass in, in high heat, uh, and it was just perfect, that sold me right there. And also the cylinder walls on the two-stroke oil how the lack of car there's no carbon or anything on them. Yeah, this is a really nice little unit here, so we can screw that in. Can you see this here? We can screw this in and have a clean oil change. Excellent. Yeah, that is really a nice upgrade. It's really nicely made too. It looks like someone's made those by hand. It's got an O-ring on it, so it'll seal. Yeah, that is fabulous. We'll be able to tip it right into the pan, I'll, I'll bet. Yeah, guys, more likely to change your oil on things when, when it's not a hassle. It's like changing, you ever change the oil on a Toyota 4Runner, a new 4Runner, like Mrs. W's is, I don't know what is that, it's probably three or four years old. It's a TRD, so it has all the off-road stuff on it. And to change the oil, you gotta pull a bunch of skid plates off. And it's a, it's a process. Dry has changed it the last couple times, and it takes them a better half a day to change oil on that. You know, it's just uh, it's quite a process. Look at that, that's a, nice, that's a nice upgrade, isn't it? 
Hill doesn't look too bad. It definitely needs to be changed. It's ran through the last couple power outages. I guess it was changed last winter. Rock this up and get a little more out there. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to get that pan a little bit lower. Oh, we're spilling, gentlemen. Don't uh, you won't be disappointed. Trust me. This uh, is, this whole endeavor is far from over. Look at that. Goodness, this is this is how it begins. This is how it begins. We're going to clear the decks. We're going to make a clean sweep of it. Anything that is not required does not need to be here getting oily or getting knocked on the floor. We just need a cat and something to pour that oil in. It's not overcomplicated here. We have a super chat from Mr. Tony Peterson. Shout out to you, Tony. Tony writes, yeah, just Googled and found a blog post on it. Just wanted to say thanks for all your videos. Been watching your videos for a while. Keep it up with you. Well, you're welcome. Yep. Was that right on the counter-rotating? Was I right on that? That's what, that's what my granddad told me. Yeah, let's pour it over the drawers right where, so we can get some in our, in our toolbox. That would really make the day, is to fill up the top drawer, especially the socket drawer. We'd want to, if you want to fill any drawer with oil, what would it be? It would be the socket drawer. That's the one that would give you the most joy. It would be the socket drawer. That's the one that would give you the most joy cleaning. Maybe the pliers. How about your diagnostic equipment for you guys that are line techs? doesn't take much oil this thing pretty small amount when you have small amounts of oil might it's always not a bad idea to kind of bump up your how often you change it especially if you run it a lot there, there's just not much there to to handle the heat and such heat's a big problem with engines you have to really be careful with that really tears them up if you you're better off to not stop it running if something's getting hot just stop and you're not saving time by pushing it beyond its ability, you're just tearing it up. Well, I got plenty of oil on my hands, I'll tell you that. We have a super chat from Mr. Logan Karn. Shout out to you, Logan. And Logan writes, I work at a Honda dealership and I know what you're saying with the skid plates. Yeah, goodness, aren't those things terrible? And I had to buy a special, uh, I, I thought I had every oil ridge there was, but I had to buy a special oil well, even the oil filter is a pain. The oil filter, if I remember, is a canister. So you gotta take, oh goodness, it's not a, I don't think it's a spin-on. I uh, could be wrong, but I, so I, had to, I think I had to buy a special tool for that. But thank you, Logan, for that. We have a super chat from Mr. Brian M, and single alternator member. Shout out to you, Brian. 100% spillage rate, super impressive. Yes, of course, of course. That is what we do here. Would you rather spill oil or gasoline? <laughs> I would much rather spill gasoline uh, because it tends to take care of itself after a, a little while. With the oil, uh, it never goes away. Okay. I got a buddy who burnt up his, his KTM years ago. He's, 
he's a good dude. He's kind of a spaz and a goofball, but he he was work. He was changing the oil on. I think it was a 450 it's KTM 450. This is a little tight here. And he had a. I think he was working. He had a little shop. He was working on Subarus. Kind of a, a shade tree mechanic dude. And he, his buddies calls like, hey, hey, dude, come on down. You know we're going to out to get tacos or riding whatever it was. And he got so excited he just jumped on it and headed out there just full blast. He was always pinned, he was always on the pipe on that thing. And then seized it right there, forgot to put the oil in it. He was in, he was in the midst of, right in the middle of the oil change when he was interrupted and he went and burned up his engine. Now, you may think that that is, you know, you think, oh, that was pretty a stupid thing to do, but that's super, super common. That happened to me this year, super scary. So I was putting the rear wheel of my 300 and it's got a big axle and a big nut on it. It's 80 Newton meters is the torque on that. I take, I do it all the time, so I know it by heart. And I torque everything. I'm, I'm very, very, I'm very, very anal about that bike. Um, so I was in, I was just putting the socket on to torque that, and Mrs. W came in with my lunch, and I visited with her a little bit, and I never got it torqued. It was just finger tight. Well, I went on a big ride with Jack, and we were just riding, you know, racing and competing and riding so hard. And I, we stopped and I looked back and my axle sticking out, clear out the side, you know, where it was starting to back, starting to back out because I didn't get that nut torque because I was interrupted in, in your work. That's, that happens for sure. Okay, we're going to put our oil in. What's the quantity? Can anyone look up the, how many ounces that these little 2000s take? And then that will, uh, we won't have to keep peeking in there. At least we'll have a rough idea. We've got one quart here. I'm sure it's not going to take that whole quart. Oh goodness, we have a a, a mega chat here from Mr. Mr. Bradley Cowart. Cowart, shout out to you, Bradley. Wow, that's very generous of you. Who says I really appreciate these live streams? It's nice to have a place to get away from the streets and chaos of the world and spend time with like-minded, godly people. I hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. Well, I sure do appreciate that. We are looking forward to that. We're going to have, uh, we're hosting Thanksgiving, as I said, and um, Mrs. W, uh, I'll see if I can get her, we can do a little live, some live streaming, or just at least, if you don't have a family to hang out with, at least we could throw something up there. We could do, do a live stream of the fire, right? The fireplace. But thank you, um, thank you, Mr. Mr. Cowart, Bradley. That was very generous of you, very kind. And that's very, it's encouraging to hear that. It, that means a lot to me as well. All right, how many ounces was it, gentlemen? How much of this quart? Probably sit that up on a hammer, get a little bit better angle of attack. Trying to find out here. I'll look at my chat going there. How many ounces we got? 4.4, so a little less than half. A little less than half. I'm a little ashamed to admit this, but I learned this actually not very long ago. It was never taught to me. When you pour these things, you pour them this way. Uh, most of you probably know this. I did not know this. If you pour it this way, which seems to make sense, when you're reaching up over your your trying to change your oil and fill up there on the valve cover, 
I always did this and you know, you're spilling, you know the whole deal. If you do this, this is the way it's designed, then you can control the flow and you don't get the glug because the air now is coming in and filling the top and you get a smooth pour. I know. I don't know why I didn't know that. No, just no one ever told me. I never thought about it. 0.43, is that what I heard? Uh, one of the pleasures of life is, that, is a fresh oil change and a, and a good engine, isn't it? Is there anything that feels, and tires. You know, that's the best. If you, want the good, if you want the good feeling in life as a man and you want to have a feeling of contentment and superiority, you uh, pull your truck in or have a fresh oil change and a brand new set of tires and a full tank of gas, that's pretty good, right? Feeling pretty good and a fr on a Friday. Do it on a Friday as, and then you have Saturday to uh, look at it outside the window and enjoy it. Well, I may have put too much in there. I got to talking. Get the rags ready, gentlemen. It's my granddad's invention. This was his paper towel holder. He resisted for a long time the paper towel. We had a church, we had a rummage sale growing up where once a year everyone would bring things and families would go there and it was free, you know, just people stuff, just extra stuff they had. So if you needed baby stuff or cribs and such. He would wait till the very last day. Everything that wasn't claimed would be thrown, taken out and thrown in the dump. So he'd wait till the last day. There was no one wanted anything and he would go and pick out all of the cotton t-shirts and he would bring them home in a big old bag and him and I would, with shears, we would cut them cut them into rags and we would put those rags in big boxes because he was a mechanic and he would clean up all the oil spills and all the, you need a lot of rags in a shop. That's what he would do and that's how, how we did it and he resisted the paper towels for a long time but finally it just got to the point where the convenience of the paper towels overtook him uh, and he made this. <laughs> and and it, I don't know what, it, he just cut it out of a piece of half inch plate and it's got a post on there. I added the cap because the top was sharp and when I was putting it down, I almost cut my finger one time, but that's it. He even painted it red and that's the way it was uh, in his shop growing up. I have it today. It's, it's valuable to have these things. You don't have to have everything, but just a few things just to r remind you of where you came from. All right, did I overfill this? I'll, I'll bet I did. We have a little bit of grace with that uh, nozzle. I don't know. Did we get it? How close did we get it? Oh, that's... You're not going to believe it, gentlemen. This, is, this has been the best day of my life here. I didn't spill the gas. You're not going to believe this. If I hadn't seen it before, this is proof, this is receipts. Can you see that? I'm going to focus it for you. Look at that. What do you see? That oil level is sitting precisely lapping at the very lip of the casting. You love to see it. Here's that dipstick, nice big O-ring on it. I'm assuming, I haven't used this, but I'm assuming that's going to go right in there. Man, that's, we have, we have just upgraded the 2000. 
Yeah, look at that. That's not terrible. I like that. It's got the nicer dipstick on it. All right. Shall we do an oil filter or air filter? Oh, we have a super chat. Goodness, we have a super chat. Hold on. I got my camera angle right. Get down. Super chat from Tony Peterson. Shout out to you, Tony. And Tony's got a comment or quick thanks. I have a Poland Pro chainsaw and I found a video uh, review very, I found your video review very helpful. It worked well for me, but I only use it for lighter jobs. But yeah, those Poland's, Poland saws used to be pro saws, I believe. Uh, those, a lot of those old saws change. You know, one thing that's remained that's been good and always been good is that in the German still steel or steel saws, they've always controlled their dealer network. You can't buy a steel saw at a big box store. You, you have to buy it through authorized dealers and there's price control. You, know, they, you pay what they, what they ask. It, it's just the way that it is. But they have a really strong good dealer support and a good reputation. And if you're a professional, you kind of need that. Husqvarna also has that. They're also, they have a pro line of saws that are right up there with, with um, the Germans. But they also sell their lower end saws uh, through big box stores. So they're both good saws. But the Poland falls in more of kind of the prosumer grade. It's not full on professional, but it's a good quality saw. Uh, for like, like you said, for lighter jobs. Are they still green? They used to be green. My granddad, even home light, home light is not a very good saw to, well, I wouldn't say not very good. A home light is not a, a professional saw. It's a, it's a lower end saw for someone that doesn't need that, that, maybe on a budget or just needs a saw for one job and it'll get it done. But a home light used to be a professional saw. My granddad, uh, his chainsaw was, he had a big home light and it was a full on pro saw and that was, we would go up to the saw shop, stop in and get bars fixed or different things on our way up to cut firewood and the, pro, the pros, would, we were using them. I would see those on the guys' trucks and stuff, but not anymore. They're, they're not a high quality saw. We have a comment from Mr. Joe K K K Kokinda. Shout out to you, Joe, uh, who comments, I recently changed the oil on my own in 4000 onboard generator for my toy hauler. The drain plug was directly over the frame. Oh, I know. Isn't that the worst? I have, I run into that all the time. Ford's done that. So what he's talking about where you're like, you have a drain, Jeeps were that way too. You'd have to, you have to pull the plug and it's got to drain out into a pan. Well, they'll put that plug right where there's a cross beam or the front axle or something in the way. So the oil has to ooze all over it and then it runs down and then it's dripping. All, it drips for what? For ages. It never stops dripping. Once you do that, it'll drip It'll just drip forever. I don't know how it's possible. Poolin. Sorry, Chevy. Poolin, not pullin. Well, we don't say it out, that way out here. I don't know where you're from, but out here on the West Coast, which is the best coast, we say pullin. And we have the biggest trees, so that's that. The bottom line on how to pronounce pullin. Uh, we have a super chat from Mr. Hanky Mountain Garage. Shout out to you, Hanky. And Hanky writes uh, that he's buying a 750 square foot home for me and my wife. It would be nice to have a 750 foot home because it would force you to be a minimalist. And that is where peace is. Uh, water heater and washer and dryer are living areas. Should I add a small utility room, mudroom? I would. I would add, Mrs. Debbie and I are in the process of, of trying to design a home that is small, compact, but also very livable and very useful. It's useful. So there's a couple features that we, 
will not compromise on that we, when we're laying it out. We have to make tons of compromises, you know, to go into a small home. But some things that we're not willing to compromise would be a foyer, a covered foyer, especially in a cold climate. So it's basically a double entry. And when it's 10 degrees outside and the wind is blowing, to throw open doors and let all that wind in and, and for the house and everyone sitting inside is it's just terrible. So in cold climates and lodges and such, they'll do a foyer. So I, I would consider that, or it might even be a mudroom, and it helps to keep your house a lot cleaner. If you're coming in uh, and you have a bench that you can sit on and tons of coat hooks and places to put things, build a bench and maybe with uh, cupboards underneath where you can stuff shoes and boots and such and hang up mittens. And if you can get a heater in there, make sure, you, even if you just do like a cadet heater or electric one, that you can kind of keep it warm and that will dry all those clothing out. It just keeps all of that mess and all that chaos and dirt and grime and snow and wet out of your home and a place for all that stuff. And it helps keep your home cleaner. So I would consider that. This doesn't apply to you, but another, just for us, another thing that we're gonna do would be two dishwashers. Two dishwashers, even in a small house, is super efficient because you always have clean dishes. They go in one and they come out of the other. It's much easier, especially if you have a lot of dishes and you're feeding a lot of kids. We have some friends that are doing that now. And I thought it was a, like an extravagant, fancy thing to do. But then I started seeing homes that just had a ton of kids that, uh, that were doing it or entertained or just did a lot of cooking. Like Mrs. W cooks at home three days a week. Or three, three, she, perform, she makes three meals a day, seven days a week. For, for us, unless we go out to eat, which is not very often. So my, I have a responsibility to her. She's going to do that, and that is a big job. I mean, would you like to do that? It's a big job on top of all the other things. Uh, she needs to have uh, a, a shop, her shop, you know, which is her kitchen, needs to be usable and functional. And so we're going to do that as well. And the other thing that both of us have decided to do is to even add a little bit of extra room, kind of a bump out on the side of the master so that each one of us can have our own uh, bathroom and closet, which it does, it does sound extravagant, but I, I really enjoy morning and I, I spend a lot of time, that's a lot of time I spend in kind of contemplation and time in prayer and thinking about my day. And I, it's nice to not be interrupted and just to have a, a place where you can jump in and take a shower and pick out you know, the clothing you're going to wear for the day and, and not have to worry about inconveniencing someone else that Mrs. W needs to get in, she needs to get ready because she has an appointment somewhere, uh, would be really, really nice. If you wanted to take you know, half hour, you could take an, hour, take an hour, whatever you wanted to, and she would have hers. And, main, and nothing, you don't have to do anything huge. They're going to be small, but th I think that those three things are pretty important to us. We have a super chat from Mr. Jason bar. Shout out to you, Jason. And Jason uh, says, Zakar is the Hebrew word for man. It means the remembering one. There is a great power in remembering. Yeah, there is a great power in remembering, Jason. That, that's, that's why God commanded for those monuments to be built in places where great things happen, uh, like where Moses crossed with the children of Israel through the, the great sea, right? Uh, and they built a monument there and, and where the patriarchs died and where particular prophets were stoned. You know, th those monuments were built up there as a reminder to the people of what they had done and, and how God had intervened with them and where they came from. When you could look back and you could see like one generation or two generations beyond Moses and you could look and see that monument was built by the people that passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. That's a, me a memory 
It reminds you of where you came from, what your culture is, who your God is, and is a grounding rod for you. If you don't have, if you don't have a, a walk with God, if you don't have a, a belief in a faith with God, then what is it? Where do you, what what is it that? What's your benchmark? What do you? What's setting your moral compass? Because that in the world that is hard to pin down and it's always changing. There are things that have been sanctioned by the by our government, slavery, for example, and state governments that have that are illegal now. But then it would have been considered to be legal and moral. You would have been completely within your rights to do it. So the law of man is constantly shifting and changing, with in politics or downstream of culture. So as the culture changes, the politics will eventually keep up and start affecting you. So if you are tying your, if your morals come from a man or a celebrity or a movement or a group or an organization that isn't based on, on biblical, the biblical word of God, then what do you really stand for? Do you stand at anything and do you have the spine to resist? Or are you always kind of just like a, a jellyfish that's being moved around with, with the currents uh, towards whatever is popular and don't really have much say in it? Everyone's going to have to make a decision. And all of us are going to have to make a decision, and if you like it or not. If you've been sitting on the fence, the time to get off the fence is now if you haven't already. And remember, as God said, he'd rather, you know, he, there's a story that he gives that he makes, he's talking about the Laodicean church in the end, end times, which in my opinion refers to the state of the Christian church or God's church in the latter days is what we're living in today that will be very, um, have all these characteristics that will be very, as he describes it, lukewarm, meaning we have a form of Christianity. Yeah, we're maybe even going and maybe even singing the old hymns and participating and calling ourselves that, and, but really not taking any risks and, and kind of keeping it private. You know, we wouldn't want anyone to embarrass anyone or we wouldn't want to share our faith anyway. And we certainly wouldn't want to say uh, anyone to know or publicly profess that we're followers of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God and the Savior of, of mankind, which is me. I'll say it publicly. Um, God refers to them as being lukewarm. And he says something very interesting. He says, but because you were lukewarm, that you even knew me and you knew my precepts, but because you just were not really hot, not really cold, you are an offense to me. King James says, because of that, I vomit you out of my mouth. I would rather you be hot or cold, which is an extraordinary thing. Here's God's telling us, I would rather you be a... Antagonistic atheist, at least you stuck to your guns and you had the balls to stand up for something. I'd rather you be that than someone that knows me and has tasted the goodness of Christ, but yet just is lukewarm and sits on the fence and is ashamed. I'd rather you have that. I'd rather have extremes, at least do something. And that's the state of the, of the Laodicean church or the church in these final days, it, it seems to me, anyways. God likes people who make decisions, be decisiveness, and I think sometimes a little bit of extra grace can be extended on us if we go forward in enthusiasm. Going forward, trying to do the will of God, but finding out later that we're actually doing our own will. But our heart was pure at the time. And, you know, God winks at that, I believe. He's not unreasonable and gives us a little bit and extends a little bit of grace because I think he understands the motivation. You know, like if someone destroyed something, if you had a child that destroyed Let's say she took some scissors and, and, and cut stars out of, out of your favorite T-shirt and glued them to a card and handed them to you, and the little five-year-old, and so proud of herself with sprinkles all over it. Happy birthday, Papa, I made this for you. 
you know, would you, would you rebuke her? Would you shout at her? Would you be angry at her? No, you wouldn't. You would embrace her and you would thank her for the gift and you would never mention it again, right? Because what was the intent? What was she trying to do? She didn't know she was doing bad. She was trying to do something for you. And we oftentimes try to do things for our God and, and we're on the wrong path. And we're, but you know, I don't have a scripture for it, but I think he, I think he winks at us. I, th- I think he makes concessions sometimes. I hope so. If I didn't, I wouldn't serve him because what type of a person would that be? Forgiveness is really important, an important part of faith, and I think is a big hang-up for a lot of folks. That those many of us have been in the trenches and have done things and associated with people that we've done things that we regret. And even though we know we read the scriptures and and we understand about forgiveness and all that, it it does creep up on you, and it, it is a wedge that the adversary will use to needle you in your weaker moments. That what you've went too far, you know, you're beyond grace. What you've done is so beyond redemption that, that you can't be saved. And, and people are lost that way and give up and stop fighting because they think I've just done too much. Uh, no, I, I can't even comprehend that level of forgiveness. But the one thing you need to keep in mind that when we read through the scriptures, the 66 are very clear. There's only one thing you can do to, to, to lose salvation. And that is the grieving of the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Well, how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? You know, uh, or the grieving of the Holy Spirit, how I understand it, 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 is not a physical thing that you could just go out and profess right now and, and seal your fate uh, to destruction. It is a, it's a lifelong process of ignoring the urging of God, of ignoring, ignoring that conscience uh, to, to do what you know to be right. Because that angel and that devil on the shoulder is a ridiculous caricature that we've grown up with, but it is not, but it, it does help to understand that we make decisions all the time, whether for good or for evil. And you get to the point where you, you, you have so hardened yourself that you cover yourself with a spiritual carapace, for lack of a better word, that you're impenetrable. The urgings of God, and we know God speaks to us through the small, still voice, the urging of the Spirit, you no, are no longer to hear it. You no, can no longer hear it, and therefore the connection is completely severed. You've severed it by the hardness of your heart, and you've gotten to the point where you're so insulated that you can no longer do anything. And the reason why that soul is lost and not reunited with God through repentance through Christ is because God has to let go of him. It's simply it was His wish, and He re- respecting of free will is is everything. So it's a. Uh, yeah, it's, it's important to start getting a grown-up and a mature's, a mature, an adult's, a man's understanding of who God is. Because if you're serving him and you don't know these things and haven't tested these things or had your faith tested or even tested or even have been angry or, did, or, or just thought God was even unjust and given up without getting in and finding out context and, and, and putting in the work, then you, you're missing out because... I still run into things. There's still things I can't reconcile. I can't reconcile. I can't reconcile my cat bringing in a mouse that's still alive and toying with it, tormenting it. I can't reconcile wolves uh, that run along with elk herds and just tear the throats out of them um, when they don't need the meat. They're they're you know, they're satiated, they're not hungry, they're just doing it for sport because they can do it because they're the superior, superior alpha predator. They do it for fun. 
you know, those, those type of things, that, that's just pure cruelty. It's cruel to mess with that mouse when, when it's suffering um, and not just put it out of its misery. And these are base animals. These are the wild beasts. And I think, you know, that, that the system is broken. If you are, if God created all things and spoke everything into existence, then he ultimately, the buck stops with him. He's ultimately responsible for the running of it. You know, we can't, we can't create life. You know, we can't change the nature of a wild beast or the nature of a cat and a mouse. We can't change these things, but we can observe them. And these things are, is, is not nature supposed to be our teacher and of what the Father is? It is from his handiwork, his creation. You know, when you see the background and you see the environment that I work in, this is a, this is a, a manifestation of, 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 of me, of what I like and, and the things that I enjoy and, and the textures and colors and feeling. This is the environment that I want to be in. I spend a lot of time in here. This is very much a who I am. God's handiwork and God's creation is very much who he is. So when you see that, you know, I struggled with that for a long time and I prayed about it and I understand that I don't see things clearly and it's more likely that I'm at fault here than him even though I can't see any reason why this should be. But that's something that will be made clear to me. And if not in this realm, then in the kingdom, I'll be able to answer him face to face with it. So sometimes, you know, it's like eating a chicken, chicken on the bone. You know, just because you get a bone, you know, you don't throw the dinner out. You set it aside, come back to it later. Yeah, so I don't have all the answers. We're all in the struggle together, gentlemen. Okay, we have a couple new members. Jared, shout out to you. Welcome, Jared. And we have also Canood Simpson. Shout out to you as well. Glad to have you here. Yep. Okay, let's put that filter in. We'll hit it one more time. Make sure we got our oil going, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. It took long, long enough, but she's going. We all learned something as well. Definitely, I, I definitely did. Keep my special knife in here just for opening packages. These, these, a sharp knife is one of those things that walks away in your shop. That and the number two screwdriver and a number 10, 10 millimeter socket or wrench of any sort. When you, Getting your replacement parts, always co-witness, always just check. Usually put them together, you can see. This one's old and dried up a little bit. The new one's a little bit fluffier. These are OEM, always OEM parts if you have the ability. There should be a pre-filter here as well. I see the old one, but I don't see the, I thought for sure there was a pre-filter. Do you guys remember there being a pre-filter? I guess I never really looked inside. I ordered an extra set. I, I tend to order, try to keep one or two on hand, and then when I use one, I'll just reorder then. Nope, no pre-filter. Ah, makes no difference. This is already, we cleaned this out already, so. So this is just a coarse filter. And so the air comes up, kind of a Venturi deal right here. That's interesting, there's a lot of science in these very interesting. So I, I was actually, in, I got down a rabbit hole last night with this. 
I got to tell you about this. It's fascinating. I can show you on my snow bike too. So there's a dude, uh, the guy that, the guy that works that Scott built my original 300. Uh, so he does. He's got a business. He's an ex-professional and he's a master mechanic. And he's doing. He's probably producing the best, the most cutting-edge. He's doing some amazing stuff. He, he, he's an incredible mechanic and racer, and he gets it, and he's a rider. So we're talking about how to make the snow bikes better and different things. And one thing I was asking him about was power. I'm having a problem. I want more power in that 450. And there's a guy in Canada that developed an intake. Uh, it's called an Air Force, and I got, I got one. I haven't ridden it, but basically all they did was just he just really got in and looked at the science of how air flows across wings and, and venturis and such. And just by simply bolting on this in, intake on these snow bikes that are custom tuned for each individual size, you know, the 450 versus the 500 stuff, and they dyno it all, it's all, you know, it's not, it's not nonsense, it's not think so, this is it's actually hard science. This guy does, does the work and has all the instrumentation and the, and the receipts. Incredible on this 450s, depends on the cam as such, but a minimum six horsepower increase right off the bat, right there. And a great increase on the low end, on the torque, on the bottom and the mid range, up to 11 horsepower increase, just from that, just a $150 bolt-on piece. It's incredible, it solves all sorts of problems. So I have been having problems with that bike. I didn't know I was having problems. So when, I, when we built that, two, was that two or three years ago? This is the uh, SXF, 450 KTM 2019 that's the motocross the, the the high performance engine on the Yeti sled and so we had to change you basically taking a motorcycle that's designed to run in the summertime in a, in a warm tepid environment and asking it to perform completely different also at a different rpm range on those bikes you're running those bikes at in first second and third gear unless you're on the road pinned you know, all, you know, at 1,200, 12.5 RPMs, you know, bouncing off the rev level, you're absolutely wringing their necks. And they're just running full bore all the time. First gear pin wide open all the time, every, every climb. So I'm going through massive amounts of fuel and having all sorts of problems with keeping heat in the bike. I'm having to take, like on big rides, big loops have to take like uh, six gallons of fuel. And it, that's difficult to do. It's difficult to take that much fuel and manage all that. So... What we found out was that the ECU is, is, was wrong. You know, some of the early ECUs and the mapping on it, is, it's running too rich. It's pouring too much fuel in. And when you put too much fuel into an engine, it runs cool. And if you lean it out and put too little fuel into an engine, it runs hot. So finding that balance is important. So the, 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 the understanding, we understand what we need to do now. We need to be able to produce, to have a, an engine, an exhausted intake that's designed for, for a 450, a race engine, to run at these high RPMs at 7,000 to 11,500, 12,000 RPMs, just wide open. So that means a new exhaust system. So we're gonna, we're gonna put a new exhaust system. And it, it's, when you see it, it's amazing. The exhaust system on the 450 now, the stock one for motocross is about so big. And the exhaust for the, the 450 snow bike pipe is about this big. It, it's crazy. It wraps around and comes around. And then the hole on the back, you know, is massive. It's, 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 so we'll open up all of that flow. We'll have the new Venturi intake and then the new mapping, which will be programmable on the fly. So I'll be able to, to program, change the mapping and the fuel and the timing, everything I need right on the switch and, and just perfect perfectly. So I can just lean, lean, lean out until I get a bog 
and then start backing up and working and start playing with that. So that's going to be really fun. Uh, but lots of different things. We're going to go in a completely different direction with the snow bike. So it's, it, the sport is so new and evolving so quickly that what was super skookum and, and working really good now is being surpassed. So it's kind of an exciting time and these innovations are jumping and changing, but it's kind of a cool, it's a cool thing. It's a cool sport. I think moto and those two work together just perfectly because at the end of the season when you're like getting beat up and you're just about done riding and just kind of over it, that's when the promise of the snow comes and you can roll them around. They seem to come around. God has timed the seasons perfectly, hasn't he? Just when you don't think you can stand the summer anymore, it starts to relent and into the fall and things cool down and yeah, it's, it's just perfect. The seasons are timed perfectly. Do we need to pre-oil these? Does anyone know, do, do we pre-oil these filters? I have filter oil. Goodness, I forgot my chat here. I don't think so. No, we'll, let me know. If anyone can tell me, let me know. I'll, we'll go back there and put some on there. I, maybe it, it's already pre-oiled. I can feel it. It's all over my fingers. Oil, filter oil is sticky. And foam filters, uh, you put, if you put oil in it, it catches that dust. Yeah, that looks nice. Oh, much better. These look reusable to me. I'll, you can clean, I'll clean this out with the gas and just put that back in the, in the rotation for next time. Have a good seal on there. Honda plastic just feels good when you touch it. it just, you can tell that it's the good stuff. That's where you can just immediately, when you get a hold of cheap, cheaper stuff that has inferior plastic, it just has a, it has a feel that you can pick up on right away and, and that it's always really glossy and overly hard. Whatever Honda uses, it is good stuff and tough. It doesn't, doesn't hardly fade. Like, do you know how difficult it is to get red in anything that doesn't fade in direct sunlight? I mean, this has a little oxidation, but it's very difficult. Red is the most expensive paint. When I used to do auto body and I had to paint anything red, when you bought, when they were mixing it up, it was always the most expensive. There are mo the most colors in red, more colors than any other, anything else. We'll put our cover on, pull it one more time, and this little darling will be ready for the next emergency. Seems like they always come out for the emergencies, don't they? This is, of the top 100 essential no compromise, you must have tools as a professional homeowner to even meet the criteria when we make that list. That will be on it. I wish I was an artist. I, I saw, or an illustrator, I saw a, uh, an illustrator that her brother was a wildland firefighter. I think she was on the, I think she was in San, San Francisco. She was an artist. And she had, uh, was beautifully done. She had taken his line gear. He was a hot shot. His, taking his whole line gear, his, his firefighting backpack and his boots and fusees and the tools and radio and the extra clamshell and the batteries, that whole thing. And she had illustrated color illustrations of each individual piece with just the name of it. And it was on a poster board. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe by 421 by 
14 or whatever they do, about so big. And it was all done by hand. It was beautiful. Watercolors, it was absolutely beautiful rendering. And it, it, as someone who understands that and, and knows the gear and what it should look like, it was absolutely perfect. Anyone who knew anything about wildland firefighting would look at that and know that that is legit. You know, that's, that's what, what guys wear and use. How cool would it be if you, if you have multiple things where you have to do, like let's say you're an elk hunter, uh, you do archery and then you do fishing and then you do uh, wildland firefighting or whatever, is to have those, a, a poster of that critical equipment that you have, once you really get your systems down, that you could pull out that was laminated and, and throw down there and, and just match it up. Like how cool and how much of a, how much would it uh, ease your mind to have a checklist, like for the snow bikes before you go out, which uh, a particular sport that's so gear heavy, avalanche packs, radios, emergency beacons, there's, the list is tremendous. And I have to do it for two people because I do it for Jack as well. How cool would it be once you have done the thinking on that and, and figured it all out to what you need and to be able to have an illustrated poster that when you, the next year when it rolled around that you could pull that out um, and just have a visual. Like if maybe that's just me. I, when I have to read lists and texts and read stuff, my mind just kind of glosses over. I like to think, see things visual, and I like images. Images are, are an easy way for me to learn. I'm really, uh, I, I can really uh, translate that into assembling something or building something. I thought it was quite nice. It was a beautiful, beautiful piece of artwork. I even sent her an email uh, if, she, if I could commission her to do something like that. Uh, like the essential things. Like there's some things that just don't change. Like the basic, what, what should you have in your truck for winter? You know, you're going to have your retrieval stuff. That's not going to change much. So you could have that and it would still be relevant forever. So you'd have to really stay with the classics. But what a nice book that would be that you could flip through uh, and have that information that, um, especially if, we, from, if you've got a man that's been doing something for 40 years, man, he's pared down, he's got everything refined, every tool is going to be have a use and that knowledge is I mean it's a lifetime of knowledge to acquire and to lose all that and have to start over every time I mean it just keeps us we just always always have to start over it sucks that we have to it sucks that our parents were boomers and were so greedy and, and didn't leave any anything to us here I mean Jack so many of you the parents didn't leave you anything. Maybe they didn't have anything, but they also, they, they sh it just seems that if they could, could have pushed, pushed the Gen Xers out with a little bit more and a little head start and helped with businesses and you know, got things going, it just seems like it would have been the right thing to do. And when we were in Sweden, I was just couldn't believe when we were out in the country, I would see that these guys that were younger than me and meeting them that had these beautiful farms and they had all sorts of gorgeous timber frame barns and brand new equipment. I mean, big money. I mean, beautiful, beautiful farms, and they were young. And I, that was a time when we were just kind of trying to get going and, and trying to figure things out. And I thought, how in the world do these guys afford these things? I like, I can't, there was a time where I couldn't even, I had to crowdsource to buy a lawnmower uh, with Wrangler Star t-shirts. Yeah, that's where we were at. And at that time, I couldn't believe how those guys could do that. And what just... What Mrs. W told me was uh, that, well, these guys are 6th, 7th, 8th generation, and that's how it's done here. It's, of course, your son, you hand it down to your son, and 
his father built a barn and his grandfather built a well and his grandfather built a fence. And pretty soon you have an amazing inheritance and you're already set for life. You can go out of university right into the family business and everything is established and running. You just have to take care of it. And I think there's an expectation that there should be from the families that you should leave something, you should improve it as well, that you should leave something of value for your children. But we don't have any of that. So those of us who finally wake up from the matrix and realize, hey, we want to raise our kids traditionally. We want a traditional woman. We want a traditional life. Um, if you want an independent traditional life, then you have to know a lot of stuff and you have to have a lot of equipment to do that because you don't have the money or maybe not have the desire to want to hire someone to do it. And that stuff costs money. And you're starting from scratch and you got nothing. Our boomer parents didn't give us anything, right? So every one of us. So I've got to get a tractor and a chainsaw and a wood splitter and all that. And you've got to do all that. So there's a lot of duplication. You know, every house, I can assure you, for miles and miles and miles around here, everyone's got their own wood splitter. Everyone's got their own tractor. And, you know, I don't fault anyone for it. I think everyone should have the right to do that. But so much effort is expended so many years by us of having to acquire that and to build that up and to build those barns and wells and fences and get the tractors that it, uh, I mean, it's just nearly insurmountable. And now with them, as expensive as things are, and it's, yeah, it's, I can see why people are not even trying. We have a super chat from Mr. Kyle B. Shout out to you, Kyle. And Kyle says, uh, here on the plains, we have four seasons, bitter cold, tornado, burning hot and rain goodness nebraska if you're talking about that sounds like nebraska i i've never been more mis let's see I, i've been miserable if i think of misery and suffering i think the first thing that comes to mind is nebraska uh, the humidity and the bitter cold goodness it's cold there it's always windy i, I think of suffering i think of nebraska Houston, and South Florida in the summertime, and the Everglades uh, in a tent without a bug screen. Yeah, so my first time to Florida, when I was traveling, when I moved over there, I was traveling a lot. Uh, I was a construction superintendent, so when you do something a lot, you get good at it, right? So I am a good traveler. I'm like a soldier, man. I can get in and out super light. I know how to pack. I know what I need. I don't take anything extra. I know, I know how to work the system. I know the, the mile. I know all that. I do all that stuff, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it is, a, I forgot where I was going with this, but it, it is very different traveling with children after that. <laughs> I forgot what the point I was going to make. The seasons. Oh, Nebraska flying. Oh, the, the, the bugs, I remember, the bugs. So I had a little bit of time off that acquired, so I was good. My sister was living in Florida, in Sanibel, near Sanibel Island, so I was going to go down there and stay with her for a while. I'd flown all night, driven across Alligator Alley. Alligator Alley, if you don't know it, on Florida, it is a, a, a road, a section of highway that, that uh, is it bisects the state, so it runs from east to west, west to east, uh, from the Gulf side to the, the coast side, to the east coast side. And it's called Alligator Alley. And if you go through there at night and you stop and shine your 
light out there through the swamps and the Everglades, you'll see the alligators. There's thousands of them. You see their red eye, their eyes are actually red. It's creepy. So I was there. Just no, no one, man. You talk, you're coming from the Pacific Northwest where you don't have a whole lot of natural predators outside the cougars and stuff, but they stay in the mountains. You know, you just don't think about these things. Alligators. Well, the insects, the insects uh, in Florida are on a whole nother level. Uh, if you read the old explorers that like, if you've read like the Lewis and Clark journals and some of the early explorers that, dis that explored the Americas, the, the worst place, the most dangerous, uh, the place that took, took the, the bravest and hardest men to explore were the Florida Everglades. And the Sentinel Indians gave them a lot of trouble as well. But that environment without access to, to air conditioning and, and before all of the water planning and the management of managing the bugs and stuff, they couldn't handle it. Even the ones that had crossed the Rockies and had done battle with, with the Indians and with the grizzly bears and the Rockies, when they got down to the Everglades, they got their, their, they got their, their butts handed to them. Uh, it was an unforgiving place. Therefore... If you are in Florida, do know that if the power is cut off, uh, you are going to be in a world of hurt if you're down there in August. Because you not only are you going to have to fight the environment and the weather and the conditions, you're going to have to you have to wade through through a long, long uh, state full of Florida man uh, to get yourself out, and that's going to be. And Florida man is armed, to the teeth. Florida man is armed, and stupid. He's ignorant and stubborn which is the worst. He's ignorant, stubborn, and armed. It's the worst. It's the trifecta of death. So get out of Florida as soon as you can. All right, we're going to put the cap on, and we are done, gentlemen. I lived there th for a year. I got to experience all four seasons. And I haven't been back since. There's even a seal on this piece right here. Really smart design channels to help kind of route water away. There's a lot of thought that's been put into this. Okay, last bet. How many pulls? We'll do a cold start. How many pulls? Three. Turn it on. Choke. Vent is on. How many is it going to be? One. It was the fuel system for sure. All right. Well. That's it. I'd say that that was a success. Sometimes I'm, I'm always surprised when, when the solution is so simple like that. We had something the other day that I was absolutely surprised. Oh, I don't want to. We have our rental had the, uh, has a gas, a quadrifier gas fireplace, and the fan wasn't working. And I crawled around there. Yeah. It's always intimidating when you're not used to something. You always build it up to be, be bigger or worse than it actually is. And, Called around there and drive, and I went out there and look, got to looking at it and you know kind of okay let's just keep it basic and start following you know what's going on and and was able to fix it and go by the part and and get the heat back on from all in in one visit or in two visits and I was 
driving back, I was like really surprised by that. And I thought, boy, that is not normally the case. Usually it's got to be fraught with all sorts of headaches and aggravations. Uh, and at least getting the wrong, you know, somebody giving you the wrong part uh, at least one time or so. And then that will typically be on the East Coast. And then it takes place on a Friday. So then you have, then you lose two business days. And so then it's like a 23 day turnaround. And you know where I'm going with this, right? Well, that, that didn't happen. Uh, it all worked. It was, it turned out to be the blower. Put a new blower in it. Oh, two things went out. Yeah, so that's what I did. Put, the blower was bad. Tested it. There was power to it. The blower wasn't working. Pulled the blower out. Called the quadrifier guy. Hour, uh, two hours away. He had one. Dry went down there, grabbed it. Came back. We put it in. Awesome. The, the girls are coming back. They're running to the place. We're going to have the heat on front for them. Everything's going to be, the house is getting cold. It's out of 56 degrees, you know, so we're, and it's dark. We're down the wire. Go to fire it up, and uh, it doesn't work. Uh, so the little igniter thing is what bad. So in all the jostling and moving around, we broke something else. But Jariah, bless him, had uh, and the stove guy said that this could be a problem. You might want to change this while you're in there. And Jariah, very fortunately, had grabbed that piece and we had it. And it was the right one, two parts, and they both fit and they it didn't plug in. We had to make a new connection, but it was no matter. And we turned it on and it worked. And that it even fixed a problem with the thermostat that was acting up. It was just, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. That's just never the case. I mean, and to have it happen when you're, when it really matters, you know, because it was cold, you know, it got down to 10 degrees and you can't, you know, you can't have, you got to take care of people. You know, you can't leave them with a house with no heat on it. So that means that you're, it's your problem. You got to fix it. So. Mrs. W was down, I, I, I sent her in the car, I said, you head down to the hardware store and get a couple heaters just in case, and that was our backup, like, we'll have two backups, so we'll plug in the heaters and, and get them going and, you know, cover any cost that it, there would be for the elect, electricity until we can get it going, and if that didn't work and it was blowing the circuit breakers, because it's an old house, I thought, we're going to bring, we'll bring that Honda 7000 down here and chain it to a tree and, and we'll let that thing chooch until we get it sorted, but it all worked out. And it was a great blessing. Oh, goodness. We have a super chat from Mr. Jason Barr. I haven't even been watching. The mods de deserve double pay tonight. Has it, have, have we, if we had uh, folks giving us a hard time in here? Well, I sure do appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, Jariah, he's a, he's a good man. Boy, he's my right arm around here. He's been, uh, he's just, he's a good dude. We have a super chat from Mr. Marcel DeFeuer. Shout out to you, Marcel. Marcel writes, uh, thanks for everything. Have a drink on me. Well, I appreciate that. I gave up drinking. I don't drink no more, but I do appreciate that. I wonder how long it's been. Goodness, since I've had, I have not had alcohol probably since, huh, maybe the middle of summer or so. Yeah, it's got to have been close to five months or so. But I've decided I'm not going to drink anymore at all. Just water. No more, no more sodas. Special occasions. You know, you go to barbecue, someone throws you a Coke, of course I'm going to drink it. Hot day, Coke, Coke in a can or a glass, Mexican Coke in a glass, glass bottle, special occasion, of course. Keeping it in a fridge, making it a habit, sugary drinks, orange juice. Orange juice, as you know, is just sugar and water. Orange juice is not healthy. Even, I mean, yeah. It's best to drink water. 
Yep. Get used to it. Many of us might be drinking bread, have bread and water, and that's all we're going to be drinking pretty soon. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. I got to get out of here. Get back to work. I sure do appreciate all of the hard work from the mods. Sounds like you guys did double duty today for all the generosity of, of the Super Chats. Welcome our new members, of course, and those of you who hang out with us. I'll uh, have another project most likely tomorrow, and uh, we'll see where that takes us. But hopefully it will be as successful. So thanks for watching. May God bless you and your families. Please keep us all in your prayers, and we'll see you guys over on the next one. Thank you.